Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. This episode is brought to you by Columbia Sportswear. It's snowing again, and that wind chill is killer. But you're not worried about that because you shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection. It's warmth perfected with tiny gold dots that reflect your body heat inside and protect you from the cold outside. No snow or chilly temps can stop you now. Go out anyway. Shop the Omni Heat Infinity Collection now at Columbia.com slash infinity. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing crickets at the grade level. Boys! Get a few today, did you? To be honest with you, I um, hate grade cricket. <laughs> uh, I went into to play for a team called... Um, the limits kid. Obviously, sharing is always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids coming into a senior cricket team. It's taken like a whip lead. Um, a bit of advice. Yeah. Sort of I refer to the great cricketer here and I'll say, this will do a little bit early. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to the Great Cricketer Podcast. On today's show, the West Indies absolutely pump Australia for one over there in the West Indies. England versus Pakistan is going on. Liam Livingston hits a massive six. The 100 starts this week. Prithvi Shaw gets mad of the match for a gorgeous 43 of 24. Ireland beat South Africa in one game of cricket, and that's all we care about. Nathan Horitz is on the show. Ali Martin is on the show. This episode is brought to you by Budgie Smuggler. You can use the code CHAMP for free custom design at budgiesmuggler.com, as is your wants, as is my wants, as is all our wants. My name is Ian Higgins. Sam Perry sits across from me, and I him, Pezzy lad. Welcome back. Welcome back. People angry online. Where, where have you guys been? Can you fucking get the show up? Holy shit. Cool, your jets. Six days since a fucking show, mates. <laughs> YouTube comment. Yeah. Well, here we are. Hey, it was great to talk to Horry, which we've already done. Yeah, that was good. That was good. And Ali Martin about the 100. Mm-hmm. Two interviews I very much enjoyed. Uh, happy Olympics week to you, Sam, as well. Hey, and to you. And yours. <laughs> I want to start about the biggest things in cricket this week, Pez. Okay. Two very controversial runouts. Oh, well. And I want to speak about the meekness of all of it and the wetness of all of it. Now, you would have seen the one in the Vitality Blast. Of course. Joe Root's side didn't run out a guy because he got cramped halfway through the pitch. There's also another one in the Ireland-South Africa game. Waist-high full toss was bowled. Not given a no ball. It was hit down the air, uh, in the air, down the ground, caught it long on. Catch was completed. That's when you think it's dismissed. Ball gets thrown into the keeper. Keeper takes the bails. They check the no ball. And it's actually a, a uh, it's actually above waist high. Is is it, am I making am I making sense? Yeah, that's that? right. Yeah. And then um, and then the the non striker when the ball was bowled it was then run out. Yep. So do you, we'll start with the vitality blast one. How fucking out should that guy be? Out. I don't I don't know who was batting. That's out. It wasn't Ben Duckett, was it? I don't know who was it. Who's batting? Yeah, as you said, for those for those who hadn't seen it, the non the, the ball gets hit to mid long off. on Oh, mid off was it? Mid off, yeah. Right, sorry. And uh, the non-striker starts to make a run. I thought it was mid-on, and he, turn, he turns around. Um, in the course of turning around and then 
turning back again to make his uh, to, mm. to make the run. He gets cramped, falls over. Mm. It's been hot in the UK. It's been hot. His fitness isn't there. Mm. He's anticipated poorly, and that's led to him falling over. I think that's fuck. He went down hard, really hard. It looked like he'd snapped an ankle yeah. or something. I obviously felt contact. He was going down but anyway. Even, <laughs> even so, the the decisions that he made led to him falling over. Yeah. Whether that be lack of fitness, <laughs> but also dietary <laughs> yeah. concerns. Yeah. Yeah. Type two Sorry, diabetes. Uh, <laughs> Olympics week, but uh, Olympics week, and, and but, but poor anticipation as well. I think it's out. I think it's a bit wet that they didn't give him out. A lot of clapping, a lot they, of meek wet clapping, and that's a problem with English cricket. Yeah, okay. I ain't, ain't going to win shit. Michael Clark's right. Mm. I'm gonna win, that's fine. I'm not going to win shit being nice. A lot of good things about English cricket. Heaps wrong, of good but things. That's a real meat wet thing. That's a problem. I, uh, I, was, playing that's a, out. I was playing a game um, at Penrith one day and the batsmen like collided with each other yep. uh, when they were completing either like a second or a third run. It's like an embarrassing run out. Like anytime you get run out going yeah. for a two or three, it's like, see you later. Yeah. Um, and they ran into each other, and then there was like a bit of a, um, a little bit of a, not an uproar, that's too strong a word, but it was a little bit like of a conversation, a bit like, oh, you're going to run us out? We just ran into each other. And Your like, mistake. Yeah. See you later. Fucking idiot. Fucking run straight. Mm. It's out. Yeah, the righteous anger is one of the great feelings in mm. cricket, isn't it? Mm. I have it, you know, I'm going badly in my job. My relationship's falling apart. Yep. Tax is due. I don't have enough money. Uh-huh. I thought I'd get a better return so. on it. But- if you fuck up a run out, I'm get I'm I'm taking those bails. Mm. That's life. That's life in grade cricket. That's life, baby. Circa 2006. Uh, of course, uh, many of these ridiculous more conversations are at patreon.com forward slash grade cricketer. Episode 50 mm. of hashtag Friday is out this week. Patreon.com forward slash grade cricketer. If you want more of that kind of chat, uh, West Indies versus Australia, Pez. Um, now the first ODI starts tomorrow in Bridgetown. Uh, and Aaron Finch has been ruled out of that, and uh, Alex Carey is going to make his captaincy debut. But before then, uh, Australia lost 4-1. Let's just round that up real quick and talk about how great it was to see Mitch Marsh score some runs. <laughs> well, he had a good series. You can't take that away from Statistically, me. the best series an Australian has had in T20 crickets in 2007. Great. That's good. Does that solve any problems for Australia? Nope. Not even one. Is he going to bat three no. down the track? No, he won't. Yeah. I... I I, th- I mean, we mentioned this last week, so I don't really want to rake over old graves. It's mm. played out how we expected. They did get a game back. Stark, Alfred, Andre Russell in the last yeah, over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could tell it was a struggling series for Australia given that, like, you're actually able to, uh, I guess, write down in one sentence or say in one sentence what went well. Hazelwood had a good first game. Yeah. Stark had a good over. Yeah. Mitch Marsh scored runs and took some wickets, and Zampa did well on occasions. That was really about it. It was, it was a couple. It was a handful of mm. decent performances mm. on occasion. That was that was, and the rest they were just outclassed across the board. I can't tell if the West Indies are good or not. So because they won that first game when Australia was absolutely cruising, and good teams can do that. Good teams can win from nowhere, and they just perennial winners. And then the game that Australia did win, almost lost. Um, because they um, was it Riley Meredith went for twenty five off the, off the second last over, meaning Stark needed to basically bowl a maiden to to win it, which he essentially he needed did. Ele- eleven, and uh, Andre Russell's like, oh, this is two balls here. I'm going to hit with the wind, <laughs> not take any singles. Did you see actually? Like he he hit the last ball according to the umpires for six, and it was just very clear that it was about a meter inside the rope for four. Yeah, gambling Twitter was all was up in arms. Holy shit! Yeah, I feel very sorry for them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. 
I, I, again, I feel like last week and again this week, there's a lot mm. of people who are sort of catching it in terms of like, well, there's a couple of good performances here and there and, you know, that, that makes our job a little bit easier heading into the World Cup. I mean, I, I, don't, I just don't see in Australian cricket with the riches that are around how it, it is anything other than um, a, a horrific result to go down 4-1. Yeah. To the West Indies. Yeah. I just don't think Australian teams with the resources we have should be losing 4-1. And if we do, a lot of questions should be asked. But it is sort of being couched in research and development terms, which I think is very generous. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I don't even think the players that are due to come back into the side, mm-hmm. which is the main thing being said, there's about six guys who'd be coming back in. That's that's all fair. But the only person I can see that comes into the area they need a lot of help with in the middle order is Maxwell. Yeah. And Glenn Maxwell is an incredible player, obviously, yeah. but he's not a guy that you build your team around. He's a guy no. that if he comes off brilliant, yeah, you can exactly. knock over anybody on your day. Yeah. But Australia from about overs 12 to 20 in any game, bowl with the ball or with the bat, seem to be very poor. Mate, and they seem to be beaten there every time. Mate, I, I think Australia has one Glenn Maxwell. The West Indies have got 10. England have got 30. <laughs> mm. India have got 50. Like, Australia do not have the explosive kind of players that you need in T20 cricket. You need, like, seven, eight guys who can who are Glenn Maxwell, who just on that day, incredible. Mm. I mean, we talk about England and Pakistan in the meantime. Like, Liam Livingston was, like, not even close to the starting 11. He's, like, put his name up in lights here big time in terms of just a flourishing bat. He's, had, you know, he's got 100 or 40 rocks and hit some fucking massive bombs. Um, I mean, but then you look, even, like, the West Indies, like... They've got so much power. So many guys can turn a game in the space of about three overs, which is what, essentially what you need to win win tournaments. Like Australia, Australia can beat anyone on their day, but that's not good enough. Like it's not four one in the West Indies is a fucking that's that, in, a, in that and of itself. It's a bad result, yeah. Regardless of how it's contextualized mm. ahead of a T Twenty World Cup. My, my concern with Australian cricket is when you look at any other international nation, sort of worth its salt, as we've said before. They've got something going for them in one format or another. And you can explain any poor performance in mm-hmm. a particular format mm-hmm. by, well, they're focusing on something else. Mm-hmm. I mean, New Zealand get mm-hmm. the World Test Championship. They're good at ODI cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, they make the best of the small resources they've got. India are generally number one across mm-hmm. the tournament, even if they're not picking up that final trophy here mm-hmm. and there. They're, they're there and thereabouts, mm-hmm. and they will win the next 500. Mm-hmm. Uh, England, you can say they've got a poor test side, but they've spent the last five years focusing white on amazing. white ball cricket. Mm-hmm. The West Indies have been poor in test cricket, but they're an amazing T20 side. Mm-hmm. Australia looks like mediocrity across the board. Yeah. I don't understand. Like you can say the T20 side's bad, but is it because there's a focus on something else? Mm. I can't say what the focus is. I, mm. do, I just do not see where the upside is in Australian cricket at the moment. I, I, I do feel like we're mm. watching a bit of a slow decline, but mm-hmm. as we've said, They'll chest England out, and apparently that is the great elixir to all things. That will just tranquilise our public. You know, okay, well, if we win that, no dramas. Yeah, I'm thirsty for that. Don't worry about that. Oh, me too. I can't, um, can't wait. It's weird at the moment just looking at all these games that are being played, actually including the 100. No, no, one's, no one's got a full-strength team. Mate, it, everyone's <laughs> no, rolling every, out twos. Yeah, exactly. Like, England are, England are actually rolling out their threes. Yeah. <laughs> um, the 100 are missing heaps of guys, let alone the, the overseas players who have been pulling out. That's in men's and women's. Um, India um, are literally putting out a side which is nowhere near um, a team that will make the T20 World Cup. And then Sri Lanka and Pakistan, they've got, they got their own things going on before <laughs> you get to Ireland and South Africa. But, um, but uh, yeah, now in terms of um, cricket generally and like the three formats that are played, four, I guess, if you, include, if you include the 100, this is the very interesting thing about the World Cup in, in, uh, in 50 over cricket. When the 2019 World Cup was such a great World Cup, as they often all are, because it gives context to short-form cricket, right? Um, whereas I suppose T20 cricket, in, in, even of itself, 
you know, two, three hours of entertainment can be just fun to watch, can be. 50 over cricket, like what Australia's about to play against the West Indies here, three, three ODIs. I mean, the value of that is like, I mean, what are we supposed to learn from this? So are there guys who can score quick runs here to, to get themselves for contention for the T20 World Cup? Because we're three years away from next um, World Cup. Two years. Yeah, when you when you learn that Alex Carey, who performed really well in the World Cup in the 50-over World Cup, mm. Two is, years cap- ago. is captain of the 50-over mm. side, but could barely get a gig in the T20 side because mm. Wade's the keeper. Yeah. They've kept Wade keeper out of three keepers in that side. They've batted him in the top three. Yeah. But will he bat in the top three? It's it's all over the place. All it's over hard, the place. It's hard to make a delineation between the 50-over side and the T20 side. That's probably because we're not following it very closely. There, prob- there would be big differences. But I think more broadly, we're in that space of the year or in the calendar where, like, every country seems to be playing in a bilateral ODI yeah. or, or T20 yeah. comp that we are never going to remember with a men in black neuralizer. And uh, it's all a bit grim operating in a COVID dystopia and, yeah. uh, you know, test each other in two weeks what happened. Yeah. We'll have zero clue. But, no you know, gee, Josh Butler hits a big ball. <laughs> <laughs> so Pakistan won the first T20. England won the second T20. The third <laughs> match has actually been played today in Manchester. I think it's Manchester oh, on Tuesday today. Um, so Pakistan, the first game, 232 for six. Barbara Zahm finally hit some runs. First time in about a year, it feels like, 80, 85 or 49. Then Liam Livingston went bang, 103 or 43 rocks. They lost by 30-odd runs. But um, Liam Livingston, because then he's obviously hit this massive six in this second game, right, where he hit, um, I think he got about 30-odd in that second game at Leeds, uh, which... People tell you like it's the biggest six they've ever seen um, at Headingley there over the roof. He's got a wonderful flourish of the bat, a like, great swing. That's what they say. Swing. He's a free swing. Yeah, we actually well, saw this a fair few bit in the in the big bash where he's playing for the Scorchers. He does have a good flurry. So, so Livingston apparently has found his mojo again after ten days in isolation. Okay. Yet, a, yet another cricketer who becomes a better cricketer through not playing cricket. Mm-hmm. It does happen. Mm-hmm. Stop training. Everybody. Apparently, he also did some other shit with like uh, Paul Collingwood or whatever. But uh, he just said, I credit it to not picking up a bat for 10 days. Brilliant. Does feel, yeah, you hear it all the time. It's Training is overrated. All these little incubator academy yeah. systems or whatever. Playing cricket's no good for you. Just just take a break. A couple of things, though, because one of the ISTGCs this week, if we get to it, is that um, someone had a great season, then they're like, because they haven't played for ages, had a good season, then they're like, okay, this will be my season next season, and it just has not been. Yeah. So I don't know if that equates. Mm. Secondly, was it a Patreon question we had maybe about six months ago about Liam Livingston playing a club game where he hit 400? Was, yeah. And he made the news? That's right. And we had the guy who, who was bowling to him that day wrote in the question? Yeah. What were the specifics of that? I can't remember. It was just, He was in tears, basically. But, like, Liam, uh, it was, mm. you know, everyone, <laughs> tears, basically. everyone's experienced a ringer coming into play yeah. and sort of – just being a level too high. But yeah. this story, I think, was the most extreme of that I've ever heard. I think he was banging in his Lancashire lid. And and it was like, it was as though he was playing against like 19th, 19th graders. Yeah. And yeah. and took absolutely Oh, that's what no it was. Mercy. It was like some like cup competition yeah. where they were playing, they were like fourth division and yeah. then Liam's team was like Prem or Division mm. 1 or whatever. And so they'd come in and that day that this fourth division team, their their ones were even out. So it was like ring-ins of like the twos and threes That's right. of this fourth division Dads, club. their dogs, yeah, like exactly, that kind yeah. of thing. And he's yeah. hit 400. Yeah, some dogs actually buy quite well, but I'll stop to stump. Of course. Dog. So, uh, <laughs> hey, just uh, just before that as well, he goes, because this happened after we recorded last week, 
England threes chased 332 in the ODI against yeah. um, Pakistan. Our and, boy and, got and, some runs. Mate, Babur Azam, firstly, 158 off 139. Um, 14 ODI centuries in 81 innings, fastest ever. Wow, that's pretty that. good. You know, and you would know that. He was the fastest ever to 14 ODI centuries. <laughs> that's always been the mark. He's a white ball big boy, if that's even a thing. Mm. Um, but James Vince made 100, our mate, the man from Cuckfield. From Cuckfield, Sussex. From Cuckfield. He cucked in, Pakistan all over the park. That's right. And uh, as is our want, you mm. know, and our desperate need, you know, flicked him a little DM, didn't you, <laughs> to congratulate him? Yeah. Yeah, what about the circuits and IJs? He's like, there's no circuit here. Yeah. By the way, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> but, but people in the UK are lining up for nightclubs because they have the night. I think in September they're going to do vac. You have to show that you've got uh, you've had a vaccine to enter a nightclub. Right. What a time to be alive, eh? It's a great time to be alive in all countries. Hope we uh, win gold in Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gold assages all political and social economic <laughs> worries. How many deaths? Uh, I, I noted that Ian Chappell wrote a piece in What's the he up to? Well, he was just sort of saying that, like, it was, again, part of that cadre of people saying, like, Sibley and Burns are no good, but, you know, Milan and, and Vince, you know, they're guys that could succeed out here again, and Vince didn't do his um, prospects any harm. Mm. There's a lot of people who think, like, Vince is probably in the top six, you know, England test batters in terms of talent, you know, in terms of the ability to actually do it. Anyway, it was good to see him score some yeah, runs. Maybe. Um, maybe. Another one with, with England as well, he goes just uh, – Winning that ODI with their threes yeah. to, to win 3-0. Um, yeah. I saw in The Guardian of, of Ben Stokes' captaincy, the question was, can Morganism, Ian, uh, Ian Owen Morganism, um, can it flourish without Owen Morgan? You know, so Owen Morgan's not captain. Everyone thought England's great success is down to, you know, Owen Morgan, Trevor Bales, but it turns out England can do it without him. Hey, That's it. England so, have got the best generation of white ball cr- cricketers in my mm. lifetime. I mean, I guess... Before our lifetime, there wasn't really much white ball cricket that being played. But, like, I mean, the, the depth of – I mean, just the achievement of right, threes. their threes pumping Pakistan, yeah. chasing down record numbers. But doesn't it show it's systemic? It's like it doesn't matter who it is. They just bring them in. They know how to do it. It's it's really gone across the system. So what they do is they bring in the 100 now mm. to usurp the entire genetic setup. <laughs> That's right, yeah. Mm. Okay, we've, we've, now, we've now beaten this sport. Mm. Uh, let's bring in something else. Um, also, just the bowling. Um, Sakib Mahmood has mm. done extremely well. Gregory. Who wouldn't, uh, wouldn't have done that good. Uh, who, sorry, he wouldn't be that close mm. to um, the starting starting ones. <laughs> England one twos threes. Might give a game in twos or um, Parkinson's done well as well. Um, mm. The spinner um, played great cricket. Um, fuck, Josh Butler scored some runs in that second T Twenty game. Oh, I love myself some Josh Butler runs. You know, yeah. I've been saying this for years, but oh, fuck, it's good. Well, I watched Livingston's ton in the morning mm-hmm. up with my three year old very early in the morning, and then later in the day Australia played, and blokes are just struggling to go up more than a run a ball. You know what I mean? Like I mean, different conditions. I wonder and all how that much it's stuff, freedom and confidence, you know. But it seems to be like a um, not an ethic, but it just like almost like a mantra, and in, in the sense that. The, the, the confidence with the, with how these guys go about their stroke play. I mean, Australians like are struggling to get off the square. I mean, yeah. you're right. You're right in saying that. You look at how England play three sixty, the skills, flicks, yeah. paddles. They just seem so much more conditioned. They can go. To they can go to fifth, cricket. They can go to fifth gear straight away. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just with Australia, I wish you could say like, yeah, well, they're they're focusing on their test stuff at the moment or something. Not even playing. England are the only team that can match in the in the UAE for that yeah. World Cup. Um, just in terms of squad depth, it'll come yeah. down to bowling. I think. I'm oh, looking at the. Oh, the Whitney's going to have a day out as well, I'd say. Um, mm. What about uh, Hayden Walsh Jr. as well? Again, he, he he kept cracking on from what we said last week, the, mm. the West Indies leggy. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant player. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Has, uh, we spoke to Ali Martin um, about the 100. Now, we've obviously given some very strong 
opinions about the hundred, which uh, everyone said you guys are wrong. Uh, well, there's a lump us in the same category. <laughs> there are some differences. <laughs> um, so the tournament, oh, the uh, the hundred starts on Thursday for the women. Friday for the men. Both games are Oval Invincibles versus Manchester Originals at the Oval. Uh, the men's match on Friday is sold out. The Oval Invincibles. They've got Bilbo, Jason Roy, the Currens. Manchester have Kadich as coach. Butler. Butler, Phil Salt, Ollie Robinson. Mm. Um, but, uh, yeah, now should we, should we just speak to Ali first, then we'll come back yeah. to the other side? All right, here he is, Ali Martin, chief cricket writer at The Guardian. Okay, we're with the number one cricket writer at The Guardian, who, again, didn't want to be introduced that way. But they're my words, not his. And, of course, I'm talking about Ali Martin. Uh, Ali, welcome to the show, of course. Um, thanks for having me back, gents. Good to see you. I want to talk to you about the 100. Uh, Ali, as we can see down the barrel of the camera, um, you're a white middle-class dude in ca- in, inside a pale male and stale industry, uh, and you're being told that the game needs to move beyond your type or grow. Uh, so with that in mind, excluding those being paid directly by the competition, what's the temperature around the 100 among the pale male and stale faithful? And when you're getting a pint at the doghouse in Kennington with the other cricket scribblers or village cricket types, are they keen? Or are they outwardly critical but privately frothing for the hundred? Have you got a read? Um, <laughs> um, thanks for that introduction. Um, it's great to be a spokesperson for for, for that demographic. And um, yeah, I mean, I am. But yeah, that's that, I, that's exactly why I am. I'm, uh, I'm. I to be honest, I'm more centrist dad. That's where I'm at. Centrist, that's the kind of, centrist dad. In some ways, I should be the target. Well, in some ways, I should be the target audience. I've got I've got two two young kids. One's uh, way too young, but one's one's getting into cricket, getting into all stars. I should be the target audience. I should be the kind of people they're trying to bring into the grounds, um, bring the kids along, um, help them with their maths, which is what this is partly to do with. And um, and yeah, so uh, look, I, it's, it's it's here now. It's like it's been a three-year gestation period, um, and during that time, there's been a, just an absolute uh, succession of missteps by the ECB in terms of setting this up. Uh, it's been uh, hugely divisive. Um, it's there. There are good intentions behind the hundred. Um, I think what it's trying to achieve are laudable aims. Um, but I think there's a lot of people in the sport that would probably argue that that those aims can be, you know, you can you can you can try and fix fix the game as is without having to build something separate to it. I kind of liken it to, um, you know, you say you got problems with the house, you got a, the guttering's gone wrong, the the the, the roof's leaking, etc. Uh, the solution here seems to be build, building an, building an annex next to the house. The, <laughs> that doesn't really stack up to me. You know what I mean, so I, it's there's so much of it that is a laudable. They've they've, they've identified issues within the game, um, and they want to address those. They want to broaden the audience. I don't think anyone would have an issue with uh, with any of those things. They want to get some of the cricket back onto free to air television, which we've we've had a sort of 15 year blackout on that, apart from. The World Cup final in 2019, which was very much a last minute deal. Um, so. I, you know there there are positives to it. Um, the question is: Is this the way they should be doing it? Should they be completely remarketing and remixing the sport? Um, and what about the people that it leaves behind? Um, because essentially they're being told um, this isn't for you. Go and watch the twos for five weeks. That's um that's <laughs> and the twos have got some good players as well. So hey, that. hey, that's like a good, some good players coming back. They actually stuck. They actually stuck the twos. Um, <laughs> That's um that key element, Ali, of it being on free to air TV. I'm sure somewhere in the last 15 years, someone has pitched the BBC some cricket for free to air TV. So why why did the BBC not want to buy the Kia Super League or the Vitality Blast? 
I think I think it's probably some of the issues that we mentioned previously. Like the, I think it was probably the fact that it was it was deemed as quite a sort of male, uh, white middle class sport, maybe a bit elitist. Um, I think that in terms of, it's worth noting that they did buy a T Twenty competition. So I don't. This isn't necessarily about having a crunch down game to fit the the domestic broadcast. You know, the, the terrestrial broadcast schedule. Trying to get off in time for the for the news or what have you. Mm. Um, 2000, the 2005 Ashes started at 10.30 in the morning so that they could get off air in time for Hollyhags, right? <laughs> so that's that, that which is our, kind of our sort of one of our low-rent uh, soap operas. But it, that isn't what's happened here. So mm. they did buy a T20 competition, but ultimately I think uh, it's new. They want they wanted new. They wanted a fresh start, a clean slate. The BBC wanted to, you know, to appeal to a new audience and wanted to broaden out it, its own sort of sporting remit. Um and it probably just viewed the county game and the domestic game as, as a bit sort of stale and male and pale, really, which is kind of inarguable. They, I mean, they kind of they did a survey back in 2019 of um, they were looking at ticket sales for England and domestic games. Ninety four percent were white British ticket buyers um, and about 82 percent of them were male. So like, it does it does stack up that there is a kind of. You know, a disconnect there. That that 2019 World Cup was actually incredible for that. That 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 proved the power of cricket in this country that can go beyond the domestic game. But I think I've just got the figures in front of me, so just excuse me while I'm eyes down. Mm. Um, but there were 35% of ticket buyers for that tournament were first timers, right? Uh, and so and 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 they reckon about 50% of those tickets were sold um, to fans who are supporting South Asian teams. So I mean, and that is that is that is the country we live in. At the we're, we're living in here in the UK. So that you know, we are a broad, multicultural society, and that cricket, probably the traditional side of cricket, wasn't engaging or reflecting in that enough. So the World Cup kind of highlighted that again. As I say, there are good intentions behind the hundred. It's just whether you know whether you needed a, a complete remix and a complete restart and reboot to to engage with that audience. And and I'd actually argue that by doing that, you're almost giving a free pass to the existing game and the existing competitions to stay as is. Um, and that's probably where I'd I'd look at it and say I think you should be trying to unite the game. Um, this is building something separate alongside the game as is. Um, and I don't know whether that's going to sort of bring the game together and actually broaden it out. Mm. Ellie. Um... I don't think anybody would argue that taking cricket to people outside our, you know, this, outside our foursomes demographic uh, on camera mm. here or threesome, sorry. Um, at, at what cost, though, does this, uh, you know, will they be growing it? Um, and so can you outline to us what some of the risks are to county cricket, let's say, or everywhere else, other stakeholders, because that's what we seem to be hearing, you know, for those who are enmeshed or immersed within the game, for whom the game serves them very well and that they love, there seems to be a lot of concern that the thing that they love is in danger now and being usurped by this massive monster. So, again, growth is great, but what are the costs that people are worried about? Well, I think people think that it's just that the four formats is too much. Four four competitions, domestic competitions, is too much. Um, I think after the I think after the 2015 World Cup, which which uh, in the men's World Cup, which England absolutely stunk out of the place, didn't they? So, yes. I think there was quite there was quite a strong mandate at the time for you know we need our own elite T20 edition to bring up the standard of, of white ball cricket in this country. Um, but actually, we've seen that England have since off the back of that. Um, gone on to achieve, you know, amazing things, winning the World Cup. They're now a number one T20 team in the world as well. So that kind of has eroded over time because these these players and the, and the players that you saw beating Pakistan in the ODI series, really, which is a kind of a quasi B-stroke C team, 
um, that they're all children of the domestic competition. Some of them have honed their skills overseas and what have you in various tournaments, but ultimately they are, you know, that, that, that suggests that the cricket, cricket wise, that, that English cricket was in a pretty good, pretty good place in terms of the men's competition. I think the issue really is that is that four is too many for us for a domestic and and that you're going to have now the 50 over format, which, as I say, England are world champions in sitting underneath the 100 minus the 100 best players. But it's about 90 of the best players in white ball cricket um, will be playing in the 100 um, and therefore the best white ball players in the country will not play 50 over cricket anymore. That's that's just a fact that they will go. They will bounce from the county championship to the T20 blast, which has been massively reduced and shrunk down and you know, kind of almost chopped off at the knees by the new tournament. Um, uh, and those players, they'll bounce from those two onto the 100 and then back out the other end into um, the, t- the the end of the T20 blast and, um, uh, and some of the county championship as well. So that's kind of, that's 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 the fear that people see. That's, that's, that's what they see. They see the prime summer months being handed over to a format that they're being told isn't necessarily for them. Um, and they feel like, you know, they are the fans that have, that have propped this game up and, and taken it to where it is right now, and that really there should have been a solution that brought everyone together. What if it, what if it works, though, Ali? I mean, like England England started playing competitive T20 cricket about five years before everyone else. I know it was about five years before the IPL, I think, in 2003, and it seems to me, maybe from afar and unfairly, that it's about the sixth most prestigious you know, T Twenty domestic competition in the world now. But 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 what happens if but what happens if the hundred takes off? I mean, does India buy it and make it a million times better, or like what what happens? Well, I don't know. I mean, but that's I mean that's kind of what they're hoping. That's it's kind of that's what they view as it's kind of manifest destiny. They're hoping that they've got it trademarked and it can be exported and that and that, that it's love around the world and that maybe it does replace T Twenty down the line. I think that's I think there's probably a massive sort of mm. regret there that that T Twenty wasn't capitalised on in this country. Um, despite being the the his country of origin, so you know I can kind of, uh, you know, will that happen? I mean, who's to say? I mean, it's 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 a five year deal. Um, um, it's kind of how it gets picked up overseas, whether overseas broadcasters like it, whether it whether overseas fans are engaged by it. Um, I do think I think the length of the game is interesting, actually. Like I I I, I do think that the the T Twenty has gone from short and sharp to being this sort of. You know, a bit of a monster. I mean, I've been to, I went to some IPL games a, a few years ago out in India, and I, I remember it started at eight o'clock and finished past midnight. And it was just like, mm. you know, this is a sort of four-hour, twenty-minute game for what was meant to be the short, sharp kind of gateway drug. So I do understand mm. some of the sort of why they're doing some of these these elements to it. I don't. That doesn't quite stack up with why you've got a two and a half minute strategic timeout <laughs> in the middle of the game if you're yeah. trying to speed it up. Mm. But um, that's just that's just one small gripe. But you know, I can understand that side of it, and it, yeah, it may be that other countries look at it and go, "Actually, this 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 is a, this is a more compact, more concentrated, better product." So it, it it could it could be where it goes, um, but I reckon, you know, I think you probably need the Indian Premier League to get on board with that because they have taken T Twenty and run with it, and that now is the kind of the gold standard for the format in in the world. So I think as long as they're playing three formats in international level, T uh, Test Test cricket, fifty over cricket, and T Twenty cricket. And the IPL is playing, ten- playing T20 cricket. Uh, I'm struggling to see how it gets picked up mm. and how it, how, it, how it becomes a format in its own right that, that is exported. But, mm. you know, we're, we're going to have to wait and see on that one. No one's got a crystal ball. Mm. Ali, last one from me. Um, it wouldn't have escaped your attention, the piece that uh, Crick Info's George DeBell put out a few days ago, uh, 100 Reasons Why the ECB Has Failed the Game. Um, it's... You know, I'm paraphrasing, but it's an excoriating piece about how the ECB has sort of bet the house on the hundred and 
to the significant detriment of many important pillars of the game in the UK. And, and he says that the game we knew is being compromised to accommodate a competition we shouldn't need. And uh, ultimately he says they concocted this solution off the back of so badly selling the game that they've got in the first place. So they're my words, not his. So can you sum up for us like, how big a gamble is this for English cricket? Um, how do you view its chances of working? And do you feel pressure as a journo yourself ahead of this kind of seismic new moment to pick a side or make a prediction, you know, about how it's going to go given the significance of, of the moment in English cricket? Uh, on the last point, yeah, definitely, because you you just know that what, whatever you put down here is going to be referenced in years to come as the kind of the <laughs> bloke who absolutely couldn't read the runes, uh, you know, struggled to see the tea leaves at the bottom of the bottom of the mug or whatever. But yeah, so look, it is it is a massive moment, um, and I think I mean I think I agree with George in, in terms of the way that you know this this is kind of making up for for past shortcomings, and and whether that's whether that's the cure or the solution is 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 up for debate really because. The way I see it is that you've got 18 first-class counties, um, and we, I'm just talking the men's game here. I think I think actually the impact for the women's game is going to be big. I, I think some of that side of it again is inarguable in terms of raising the profile. There are issues there with in terms of the pay. The pay gap between the two competitions is massive, so I don't that that doesn't all stack up. But there is in terms of sort of messaging and platform, there is much more increased gender parity that I don't think could have been achieved with the Kia Super League, as as, as good a competition as it was. It didn't have that kind of sort of. It didn't enter the zeitgeist um, like they're hoping this tournament will. Um, but I, I do find it a bit strange that with 18 centres of excellence and 18 sort of heritage brands that you wouldn't look to build on top of that. A lot of people believe that the way to go was an 18 Premier League, a, a 10 a 10 team sort of second division, all focus, all spotlight on the top division. But English sport is ultimately built on promotion and relegation. That is that is the good stuff. That we love those narratives. We love teams coming up. We love the jeopardy of teams going down. Mm. Um, it seems strange to me that you build something separate to that um, and not try and cash in on those things. But ultimately, guys, this this I mean, this is about ownership, right? So the ECB has ultimately looked into the future and seen that international revenues are probably going to come down. That the, the game can't just rely on the England team being exported now. It is, the t- it, is the t- it is test cricket that makes this that makes English cricket pretty well placed. Each test match at the moment is worth about £20 million. So this five-test series coming up against India, that's worth £100 million just in, in, in TV money alone. Wow. You add on ticket sales and sponsorship or whatever. So, so look, test cricket is still the big beast. It's still what pays the bills in this country. Mm. I think that this is about ownership, is that they wanted to create a domestic product, but it but to create a domestic product would have handed over that ownership of that to, to 18 teams and what the ECB wanted. They want any money that comes in through a new rebranded, remixed tournament, they want that to flow through their accounts first before being distributed back out to the counties. And that's kind of, that's where where they're at. They want, they want ownership of it so that they can kind of future-proof themselves, um, ultimately because they've seen about £70 million in reserves, which was intended for a you know, the, the cancellation of an India series or the death of a monarch during a test match, whatever, that, that kind of money has disappeared. The, the, the reserves in the game now are very thin now because they've just pumped so much into setting this tournament up. Mm. Um, and also because they fear that the international TV money is going to come down. So that's the big fear. That's what this is designed to kind of future, they keep saying future-proofing themselves. They want to talk to, you know, they want to talk to new communities and, and that I totally am on board with, as I say, that and the women's game. There, there are good sides to this. There, there, there's good intentions. It just comes back to the question of whether this was the way to do it. Mm. Um, and we 
going to find out because they are ultimately doing it. We can we can sort of kick and scream and be dragged, but this is what they're going to do. Um, and I suspect that the cricket's going to be pretty good because, as I say, over the last sort of five or six years, English cricket has, has absolutely churned out a conveyor about white ball players. We've, um, you know, and they will be built on the back of them. There's a bit of a disappointment at the moment about the pandemic and having shorners of a lot of overseas players and what have you. But ultimately, uh, I think the standard will be pretty high and the cricket will be good. And, um, you know, that side of it and how much they're pumping into it in terms of marketing, it, it's 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 going to be good. I know you guys keep saying it, it will be good cricket. But, I mean, cricket's a great sport, right? So it's going it, to, it, it should, it will work in that regard. But I don't know, can they unite the sort of the, the, the people feeling disenfranchised and bring them along with them? That's the big question. That that will be how it's sort of judged, I think. That's all well and good about the money changing hands and ownership, but Butler hits a big ball. Yeah. <laughs> Originals. Well, mate. Couple you, of colours, you, you know. Living you're, you're, yeah, Livingston hits a big ball, you know. And um, yeah. are you a Phoenix man or Trent Rockets? That's, that's you know, where, where are you at? Welsh fire. Well, you know, I'm, I'm sort of Nottingham born, grew up in Cambridge, but I do live in Birmingham now. Phoenix are my team, but they just look like a packet of popcorn. So um, <laughs> I, uh, it's going to be. I'm really, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Where. I thought that was an no, English it's... figure of speech, but they actually do, don't they? The, the shirt looks it's like a packet of popcorn. popcorn. <laughs> they literally look, they, are, they literally are branded like a packet of popcorn. So, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. To be honest, the other thing about it, of course, is it does run concurrently with, 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 with the test series. You know, there's, there's about 10 days before the test series against India starts. And then, um, mm. uh, and then it's, it's, it's five pretty much back to back test matches in, in the space of about seven weeks. So for someone like myself, I'm going to be on the test series. That's, that's what our readers, what I, I believe what our readers will want covered. It's, we're not going to not cover the hundred, but really the, that was still that is still the marquee, you know, cricket of the summer. Mm. Um, this is the kind of, you know, this is the kind of shop window. There, there is one other element. Sorry, just to, I'm just going to, I'm just totally That's ranting it. at the moment. There is mm. one other element that I don't quite understand. Is if you recalibrate cricket in this way to a hundred balls, if you're sort of, you know, decimalising it or whatever, I don't understand how that acts as a gateway drug because that means that anyone new coming in is then going to have to recalibrate their brains to the, if, if the intention is to bring them through, you know, through to the, come through to the back room where we've got the really good stuff. Mm. Uh, they're going to have to recalibrate their brains on cricket in that respect. So that, that's another element of it that I just sort of is slightly lost on me. It feels like, it feels like one of those magic eye posters, but I'm just staring at it and I'm waiting for the thing to pop out, but I can't see it. <laughs> Come to the back room where the really good stuff is. There is no really good stuff. Yeah. This game sucks. Yeah, you can bowl 15 over spells, not feel your body the next day. Uh, yeah. Uh, um, Ali Martin, thanks so much for that very thorough coverage of it. We got a few emails through the week uh, imploring us to go into it a little bit deeper beyond just saying, yeah, it'll probably be good. You can, you know, just be like Blobby, watch the test cricket, have 20 beers and watch the cricket at night. Um, you've yeah. given us a little bit of a deeper insight into, uh, you know, what the stakes are. So we appreciate it and um, long live test cricket. Yeah, well, to be honest, I feel like all I've done is just burp up a load of random opinions and basically stuck my ass on the fence. It's so full of splinters now because, um, you know, no one's got a crystal ball. But... <laughs> um, that's, that's that's pretty much how I feel about it. But I, I, one thing I was going to ask you about, Pez, you know, you made Nugsy who's saying about how the hair goes quickly. Yeah. Well, that kind of that that brought back memories of, of going. That basically, when I waved the white flag on my own sort of hair, right, was when I went home to see my um, went home to see my old man, and he said uh, he said, uh, "All right, son, uh, it looks like you're doing a bit of a Robin Hood there." And I was like, "What?" And he went, uh, "Looks like you're sort of taking it from the poor and giving it to the rich." <laughs> 
so yeah. I reckon your lid's looking pretty good. Oh man, he's got he's got a full you know he's sort of bloke in his sixties, full thick head of hair, just, you know, absolutely alphering his son for no reason. So, um, oh, so my yeah, dad's that's, the that's, same. That's oh, you're robbing you're robbing Peter to pay Paul there, son. Yeah. All right. Um, well, <laughs> thanks for that, Ali. Wonderful to speak to Ali there, and thank you very much for his time and his thoughts and opinions. Now, um, Pez, uh, just, just it's it's interesting in the in the in the context of the hundred. Now, a big concern seems to be that it, this could be um, they've they've put this competition forward um, without any regard for the other competitions being played in the UK at the time: the County Championship, the Kia Super League, the Vitality Blast. Um, and I suppose, like you know, as an observer internationally, I'm not. I don't see that, you know, because uh, because this sport specifically, the hundred, is a TV show for me, and I'm actually looking forward to it. And I feel like I'm on the outer. And we had a lot of messages last week, emails, DMs, that sort of thing, just being like hundred shit. And I just don't understand that in the sense that they haven't even seen it yet. No one's even watched it yet. And the the almost like the very English like um, precondition is that like this is going to suck and it's going to destroy our game, rather than like the opportunity for this game, particularly the women's game, the hundred, could elevate cricket in that country beyond anything else that currently exists yeah I, I i'm not sure if that's a particularly english thing i think it's a common a common phenomenon that if something new is about to start you um you know you, you doubt it because you haven't seen it like, i mean i think like with george de bell's article for example mm-hmm. it, you know the contention is made that the original products that domestic white ball cricket had was good but badly sold um mm-hmm. Or is that the sort of, or is what Dobell sa- is saying about the hundred sort of that, you know, giving voice to that doomsday catastrophizing that yeah. you often see when something new is about to begin, you know, like uh, that will be. I think Ali mentioned this, you know, presented as humorous historical artifact later when it's completely banging and we're all strolling through a digital museum of the hundred where you're buying merchandise. There's actually NFTs via crypto. <laughs> um, while the competition prospers, I, I actually I think you feel the same way. But uh, like I suspect the hundred will eventually work. It has to work. It's one of those things that has to work. And uh, but I, I understand the hesitancy because things people love are being replaced, and you haven't seen what it's being replaced with yet. Yeah. Uh, so I can I can see why people are skeptical, um, and that maybe not everything that glitters is gold. This mm-hmm. definitely glitters, though. I think with our experience of the BBL and where it actually fits into the psyche and how it fits in with longer form cricket, the money that's being put into it, the way that it's going to be presented to um, audiences beyond the cricket faithful, uh, the fact that it's on free-to-air TV, the players it will eventually have when you just give it a little bit of time to bet in, to me it all looks like it's going to be something that you enjoy turning on um, that's also... If you're a you know pale male stale thirty plus year old guy, it's not made for you anyway. But you might have a few beers hey, and, and enjoy is, the the red team hitting some bombs. This so. is exactly it. You look at what we were, we were trying to have this conversation. I think you have a text maybe a few days ago. We we're just trying to figure out like the difference in the consumption of cricket specifically in our generation compared to like your kids, for instance. It's so different because like when we were when we were under ten. There wasn't the internet. There yeah, wasn't Netflix. Exactly. I wasn't um, put in front of YouTube all day when you can watch this very podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Hello to all the three-year-olds whose <laughs> yeah. parents have abandoned them. <laughs> sometimes you need to do that, actually. Yeah, sometimes. Um, and so just the, the, the idea that um, this could bring in new audiences. Now, I, I do understand the frustration as well of, like, um, how come T20 cricket started in the UK in 2003 
uh, five years before the RPL and like the Vitality Blast feels like it's so low down in the rungs of like the, the prestige of international T20 domestic tournaments, international domestic, domestic T20 tournaments. Um, I can understand the frustration that and like the existing games and the tournaments are good, but they, but the BBC didn't want them. And how important it is for cricket to be back on free-to-air in the UK is surely, I mean, it can't be, it can't be overstated, surely. But the, this idea that... Um, that the big bash is big bash is the same. That's why the the entire tournament is scheduled during the school holidays now in Australia. Like it's it's for a younger generation because the younger generation are competing with so many more things that we never did. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think cricket cricket administrators have often said that cricket now doesn't compete with other sports mm. for attention. It competes with technology. Like mm. it's cricket versus YouTube. Hey. It's cricket versus Netflix. It's all of that kind of. Yeah, hey, pe- pe- I understand. People, young, young people don't even watch football. They don't watch mm. 90 minutes of football. They, they consume it through clips on Twitter mm. and streams and mm. highlights on YouTube with, with some, you know, EDM underneath. It's like if they can't watch football for 90 minutes, how are they going to watch like a five-day test match mm. or, or, or even a, a, an eight-day ODI, an eight-hour ODI? Mm. So yeah, like if you're if you're a legacy um, England cricket fan, um, you're dead. Go and die now. The game's <laughs> not for you. Get out of here and die. It doesn't want you. <laughs> anyway, it'd be very interesting to see what happens on Friday uh, and Thursday, indeed. Uh, when the very world, interesting when, when the world collapses in and there's no more cricket because all the competitions fold because of this one game that's sold out on Friday for the men. Anyway, uh, Sri Lanka v India, Pezzy lad, mm. uh, India won that first ODI. Sri Lanka put up a decent total if it was 1997, 262 for nine. Yeah, scored about 30th the last two overs, got themselves to 260. Yeah, and India got there in about 15 minutes. Um, a couple of debuts there for Ishan Kishan, who's uh, a sort of backup keeper, 59 of 42. Um, Yadav as well, 31 off 20, batting at five. Shikadawan did the business. He's captaining for the first time, 86 off 95. Man of the match, though, Prithvi Shaw for oh 43 off 24. Oh, boy. I mean, when you look at that, he's like fourth top scored. <laughs> he must have looked really good. Oh, mate, it's, he is the best player through the offside I've ever seen. Oh, I've got, no, okay. got, got no issue saying that. It's, it's incredible. I think actually Ponting said that. Ponting so I'm, I'm, said that Prithvi Shaw is the best player through the offside he's ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fucking hell. Cool that I jets, I'd say. I mean, fuck, I love it. I'd, hey, I'd mate, probably put BC Lara up there. Pff, uh, left-handed, though, cheating. Okay. Well, for ruling Lara out, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I didn't mind watching Damian Martin through the offside. I'll give you the tip. Mate, I've got, mate, Prithvi Shaw through the offside is something else. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. It's just fucking take, you know, we don't want to labor, you know, lump him with this kind of pressure because uh, no doubt he, he, he consumes the show. I'm also fairly certain he's a time traveler because fuck, he looks like Ravi Shastri. Man, I've got a lot, like we, we, you and I have spoken a lot, uh, spoken at length about Prithvi Shaw. Mm-hmm. There's a, I think he's 10 years, 10, 15 years at the top and he's funny as well. Mm. We didn't end up loading up that, uh, that clip with him and Shikha Darwin, did we? No, no. Yeah, see, a couple of days back, a couple of days back, Shikha Darwin posted a video of him playing the flute. And Prithvi Shaw was singing a rendition of Kishore Kuma classic. <laughs> Kishore Kuma, uh, Kishore Kuma, the classic, Yeshan Mastani, uh, which means this lovely evening on Instagram. It's a 1971 movie, right? Um, which translates as the severed kite. Uh, so the severed kite, the severed kite. So what I'm saying is, Prithvi Shaw's got levels. Shikha Darwin, as we heard from Shreyas Iyer, has levels as well. Apparently, a very funny guy. Uh. Shreyas Iyer kind of intimating that it'll be very funny to watch him captain. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah. but. As you said, India just did it in about 30-odd overs. And uh, I, I noticed before that, Arjuna Ranatunga from Sri Lanka pointed out that 
you know, this is a little bit beneath Sri Lanka to be playing an India B team. Yeah, was it? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Fucking yeah. hell. Oh, that's that's right. Sp- Sp- levels. There's about three guys in the world who could say that and get away with it, I reckon. And <laughs> Renatuk was one of them. Um, um, Shikadawan batting with a kookaburra. He's sponsored by kookaburra. It's just odd watching like um, like Indian players with like traditionally like Western brands. Obviously, mm. Shikadawan spent a lot of time in Melbourne. Does he live here full time? Melbourne's own. Yeah, Melbourne's own Shikadawan. Mm. But he's just batting with a kookaburra. It's just odd. I'll have to ask him at some point. Yeah. Um, there's also uh, yeah Ishan Kishan who's like debuted. I think it was his birthday as well. First first game in the in ODI cricket. Prithvi Shaw's just come in and they got they got ten and over. Shikhar Darwin comes into uh, who's opening the batting. Uh, Kishan batting at three. Darwin says, "Let's just take it easy, build a partnership." First ball, Ishan Kishan runs down the wicket, pumps a six over the head. Like these young Indian guys, they do not give a fuck. Yep. And then it was like the conversation around the I, uh, in Australia around the IPL, which is funny just how removed we are from it traditionally. And, you know, like, oh, is it any good? You know, what's, what's the point of it? And, like, Shikha Dunman was saying afterwards, the way the young boys play IPL, they get so much exposure, their confidence levels are so high. I mean, I, mean, I think I think even Gavaskar said that when we interviewed him last summer, that that's been a huge part of India's research, uh, resurgence, explosion into the very top levels of cricket in the last, basically since they won that series in Australia. These young guys have so much exposure to the very best players. There's no fear factor anymore. And the level of cricket in the IPL is without a doubt the highest in the world. And these guys are just coming in, yeah, against against uh, Sri Lanka in Colombo. First ball in international cricket. Yeah, I was going to run down. It's funny you say that, mate, because people would have seen last week that the BBL had its own little soft launch with its new... Um, I guess what's the head of the BBL, Alistair Dobson, uh, and he said, and and the the big headline that came out of it was that you know Dobson says his competition's job, uh, the job of the competition is to pro- is not to produce players for Australia so much as produce entertainment for fans, right? As though it was one or the other. And mm. I, look, it's not quite what he said. I think there was some cheeky spin going on with that, but he says the his assessment of the BBL is much more around the fans and the entertainment proposition. It's always been about the new fans and kids falling in love with cricket. That's our focused. Um, that's our focus. BBL plays an important role in the high-performance pathway. Lots of examples where new talent's been unearthed through the BBL and the WBBL. So he says, oh, you know, you can, as a sort of secondary thing, if it produces a player for Australia or whatever, that's great. Mm. It's funny how it kind of, the BBL couches it as this kind of binary, oh, we're entertainment, not mm. production of players. Well, mm. But the IPL is able to be mm. both entertainment and the production of players when it comes to India. Mm. Is it a bit of a false dichotomy even saying that? Um I don't know. It, I mean, the BBL can never be. It could and actually same with a hundred. It can never be to produce the best level of cricket because it doesn't have the best cricketers. It doesn't have the best cricketers. Like mm. the 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 test series are on at the same time. The mm. BBL supplements test match cricket, mm. so all day long during every day of the summer, basically there's cricket mm. from ten a.m. until about midnight, mm. which is wonderful as a as a brand and just to consume it. But in terms of the actual highest level of cricket possible, it's just mm. not the best because because you don't have the Australian players. Yeah, the Australian basically. players. Yeah, whereas the IPL does, and then it has a cap on overseas players. I don't think anyone's ever suggesting that BBL creates its own window so that all the Aussie players could play all the time. Though mm. many have suggested that we could at least get a few more games from the Aussie players mm. to beef up the competition, to bring through some players and also to increase the entertainment. I mean, they both go hand in hand mm. in a lot of ways. But it, it is interesting that Australian or CA is essentially saying the BBL is simply about entertainment. Mm. And I actually think that that's probably a good thing when it comes to a long-term play mm. of Get engaging kids in the game. Mm. I, I keep going back to walking into Greg Chapel Cricket Centre, apart from being filmed on CCTV, then having it sent to me mm-hmm. um, <laughs> with a ransom note. 
Yeah, we're gonna put that up. Uh, we're gonna put that uh, that photo up on Patreon today. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, uh, yeah. the um, two it was two pictures actually. It was a profile, but you know, it was mm. very very unnerving. But yeah, my my son walked in and first thing he went to was Renegades or Stars. He just saw the colours of it because mm. everything else in the cricket shop is just white. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. just white shit all yeah. around and like mm. weird pieces of equipment. But he goes to the jersey, sees the colours. Um, I don't know. I, I, th- that's that's important. That's mm. important. Anyway. Mm. Well, anyway, India are good. A little shock horror India there. Very good. Yeah. yeah. And well under Rahul, well, well Rahul Dravid for his first win as coach. Mm. Um, Ireland versus uh, South Africa pairs. Um, now, just it seems so odd that Ireland are in uh, – sorry, that South Africa are in strong competition with Ireland here because Ireland were doing well in that first game as a washout. They actually won the second ODI mm. by 43 runs. Mm. Andy Belburney, mm. 102. 290 played 247. The third ODI, South Africa won big. Uh, Yanaman Milan hit 177 with De Kock opening the batting. Hit 120 as well. They smashed them. The first T20, they're playing a T20 series as well. Shamsi took four for 27, I think, this morning. Uh, this is South Africa who beat India. South Africa, oh, West Indies. South sorry. Africa who beat West Indies, yeah. Uh, so maybe Ireland will give us a game. <laughs> well, yeah. If you were, well, Ireland beat South Africa. South Africa beat West Indies. We need to beat Australia. So mm. see, what, see what I'm saying with that? Uh, well, I... I know there's some difficulties in South Africa at the moment. Um, mm. They're in the group of yeah, the of third wave of COVID-19, and then there's some riots some and looting, civil unrest, yeah. uh, which have left hundreds dead yeah. uh, and caused food and medical shortages, yeah. crippling parts of the country. And, and Mark Boucher conceded that it had been affecting the team I saw that, upon yeah. the loss of the second game. Mm. Uh, so they bounced back with four for 346. Um, <laughs> Pretty good. Against the Highlands. So yeah. they did bounce back. Well, it was that, flat though, wasn't it? It was a bit, and that's what I said. Yeah. Um, so, um, <laughs> oh, mate, I love seeing Ireland playing. Of course. You know, and Ireland, Ireland beating South Africa, fantastic. Mm. More power to Ireland. Mm. Uh, Pez, yeah. we spoke to Nathan Horitz, um, and I thoroughly enjoyed that chat mm. because he's spoken to some all sorts of levels, and he's actually, um, he's actually, I've never, I've actually never, never heard Nathan speak before. A super super nice guy and spoke very eloquently about the roller coaster of his career, which is really really fascinating. So we'll get to that in a moment's time. But I think we should give a shout out to our dear friends, a budgie smuggler. Of course, if you don't mind, pairs where you can use the code Champ for free custom design. We speak about this every single week. However, what will be the theme this week? What should be a theme for, for custom design give this it to week? Us. You, you, well, you give it to us. You know, it is an Olympic week, Pez. Mm. Um, why not some cardboard beds? <laughs> which was actually disproven that. You can't use them for sex, so that you, we know about this, don't we? How the 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 idea that the could only bear the, the weight of one person in the Olympic Village. Yeah, any sort of sudden movement, the bed would collapse because they're made of cardboard. There was like an Irish gymnast who disproved this on the internet um, by doing some tricks and shit. He was doing some flips and shit, ah. um, as T Pain once said in a Lonely Island song uh, about dolphins. Um, so yeah, what, but what I was thinking about what about great Olympic moments? Great Olympic moments. For some custom design on your budgie smuggler. Well, I've uh, and I know you'd guess this, but I've, I'd of course go to the 1920 uh, Antwerp. I was going to say Summer Antwerp. Olympics, yeah. uh, where of course, of course, there was the tug of war, tug of war, tug of war competition. Yeah. Um, United States actually lost to England. Yeah, um, who were represented re- representing England back then? Mm. Huge upset, uh, as we all remember. So that that might be one you want to get in your custom design smugglers. Now I'm also thinking about you know great Olympic cheats. Yes. Uh, and I'm thinking, I think actually, now if I knew this, if I was smarter, I'd know this off the top of my head. The very first person who was banned from Olympic Games was during the marathon and their, uh, their drug of, their drug of choice, their poison of choice was alcohol. 
Mm. They had a few beers before the marathon, and that was deemed to be performance enhancing. And so they were they were disqualified from the marathon in like I think it wasn't the eighteen ninety six games. I think it was like nineteen oh four, perhaps. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. For dehydration, I thought there was one who was an Italian marathoner. Is that right? Who was done for dehydration? Dehydration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> done for it. No, you're dehydrated. See yeah. you later. A bit parched. Who was? Yeah. You look parched to me. The sixty eight Mexico City Summer Olympics. Peter Norman. You know, uh, in the. Um, in the protest with Tommy Smith and John Carlos when they took the podium to accept their yep. golden bronze. Yeah. Still just uh, Peter Norman just getting uh, ostracised from Australian Olympic yeah. sort of folklore. Like just for st- like he, he backed them. He stood there. Yeah. Oh, see you later, mate. See can't, you later, mate. Can't have that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they, don't, they don't understand. Yeah. Grim stuff. What about the one? Now, who, who was the Olympic runner? Who was it American or was he English? And I think it was English runner who who popped his hamstring going around the bend, and his dad ran on the track, and he and he um, oh, and he yeah. helped him over the finish line. Like stewards, like trying to get the dad off the track and shit. Yeah, when was that? that? Might have been Mexico. Oh, that's so, mate. That's tear jerking. That's tear jerking stuff, isn't oh, it? How good's that? Yeah. Dad's on the track. You're actually disqualified though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He didn't actually get finish off, the race. He was disqualified. The Same as the run out stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Can't have help. You cheated I, there. You've cheated there. I solve Rubik's cubes yeah, all day. Yeah, well, that's yeah. not the rules. That's not the rules. Sorry. Yep. Cheat. 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 <laughs> <laughs> if that happened in Australia, yeah. yeah. James Savile though, that was bullshit. That was bullshit. That was bullshit. That was bullshit. With bullshit. James Savile. Mm. James Savile. Yeah. yeah he's Eric Deal. Not really. Cheat. Not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> How do you get in? Brought into disrepute for mine. Olympics are hey. all about alphas. Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Fuck's that? Yeah. Fuck you, out of the pool. No one, yeah. You swim your own fucking heat. <laughs> That's what, that, that was the vibe, right? This is a disgrace. Uh, I'm trying to think of other cheats. Well, you can think of your own cheats, for your own custom designs for Budgie Smuggler, budgiesmuggler.com, or dot you, depending what is your want. Use the code CHAMP for free custom design. Just, can we just, Thorpe and Hall though. Fuck me. Thorpe and Hall. One of the great. Ian Thorpe, Thorpe v. Gary Hall Jr. Oh, really? fuck. Okay, yeah. yeah. Hall and Thorpe. Thorpe and Hall. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> oh, yeah, the the 4x100. 4x100 mm. Sydney Olympics. Yeah, we all remember where we were when that happened. Mate. Yeah, I was watching Andre Pavel versus Magnus Norman in a tennis match. <laughs> and I could hear the roar. Oh, the really? Crossover. Yeah, I didn't watch it. Wow. Yeah. Norman won that. He won that um, that match. Yeah, did he? he finished with a silver. Yeah, people still talk about that, don't they? Yeah. Andre yeah. Pavel, a great Romanian. That was that was absolute. Get the Clinics. Ben mate. Oh, mate. Thorpe for me. We've been, we actually want to get in Thorpe on the cast. One reason why is because his dad played shield cricket for, for WA. WA. Yep. Sat next to him at a dinner once, and we're talking about cricket. Say, oh yeah, my dad played for Western Australia. Well, you sat next to any Thorpe. Yeah, at a dinner, charity dinner. Yeah, right. Where I used to work. Oh yeah, it was yeah very okay. helpful. Yeah, right. And uh, I've done a little bit of work with him. Enormous hands. I spoke to him once. He said um, he, he was at a, a, a charity I was working at, and I, I said, I'm looking to get into media. He said, don't do that. Don't ever get into media. <laughs> I was right. like, mate, you have the biggest mitts I've ever yeah. come across in my life. Mm-hmm. And he sort of looked a bit strangely at me. And he said, can you please get out of this cubicle? Get out. <laughs> Thorpe for me is like, Thorpe is top three Australian sports people. For me, ever, yeah, yeah possibly yeah. top one. I uh, made Thorpe in the Thorpe in the suit. Mo- Thorpe, sixteen year old. Ah, uh, so you took the cheats in the suit. <laughs> <laughs> cheat, 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 cheat. <laughs> mate, Thorpe mowing down blokes. Oh, 
Yes. Yeah. Talk about fucking cleaning. Gary Hall Jenner at the time was world record holder for yeah, 100 yeah, yeah. metres. Yeah. I and like Thorpe is like the least. This is what I love about Thorpe. Mm. Well, I love a lot of things about him mm. and being a just absolute gun mm. swimmer, but mm. just watching him mow down blokes. But mm. like, he's the least alpha archetype male and yet possibly our greatest ever male sportsman. Mm. What does that say? Mm. Do not have to be mm. the alpha archetype. Fuck, who's greater than Ian Thorpe? Fuck, that's that's a big call. Exactly. Manus? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see how he does in the next World Cup. Or the next county championship game. Yeah, all right. IGSmuggler.com. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. Okay, he's represented Australia 78 times across three formats. He's taken 128 wickets in the process. Uh, two fifers there at test level. 187 wickets all up at first class level to go with nearly 2,000 runs and a high score of 146. He was the Aussie 19s captain and like so many, made his test debut in the cauldron of India. We're going to talk about that. Uh, he was part of the cadre of poor souls who carried the burden of ridiculous <laughs> expectation in the post-worn era, uh, but to my mind, comfortably did the best out of all. All of them. Uh, he's decided to join us on the show today, for better or worse. Uh, Nathan Horitz, Horry, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you, boys. Thanks very much. Thank you for that very kind intro. Actually, it, uh, I love the the culture of spinners after warning. But uh, look, thank you. Thanks for thanks for the time. Let's go from the top. You just told us off air you, uh, you're currently coaching Grey Cricket, but I want to talk more broadly uh, from Nathan Horitz, a junior, all the way through. What's your relationship to grade cricket, or as they call it now, Premier Cricket for some reason? <laughs> yeah, look, I pretty much started, you know, as uh, a 15-year-old with North, North Cricket, went to Nudgee College. Uh, we had our side, had players like James Hopes, Mick Miller, and then we had Nash, Brendan Nash, Jimmy Mark coming through. So, look, now for me, it's uh, I'm head coach there at Norse, Norse Cricket. I've been there just a couple of months, just sort of taking the role on. And my main goal there with club cricket is just, or premier cricket, is to make sure that the kids coming through are well looked after. Um, we've got a, a really good group in place. And, and look, now for me also, I'm uh, sort of saying as well, I, I do a bit of work with Focus Cricket, uh, the ball distributor and cricket uh, ball distributor over in Perth. So trying to keep that, all tied in with uh, grassroots cricket and get that out there as much as we can. Obviously, Pez, Pez and I would know you from Sydney Test Cricket, uh, Horry, uh, where you play for Round yep. Petersham. And you played in the yes. same team as at the same time as Kadich and Kawaja. Um, Kadich, Kawaja, and Flegler. Not bad. So we, Not bad. Yeah, it was a good side. We, uh, we had a very – we lost the one-day final. Uh, from memory, I had a horrible final. I think I batted three. I actually batted three in that side. So, uh, but Kadich and Kawaja, they used to just peel off hundreds for fun. Mm. Uh, they were amazing. And they, they still could. Kato probably still could, to be fair. Mm. Um, and Uzi's up here and, and doing really well. But love the Randy Peets, one of the greatest clubs I've ever been part of. And obviously one of the, obviously their colours is green and yellow, uh, you yep. know, matching the Aussie lid. Any, any, any Aussie lids knocking about in those games? Uh, definitely not from me. Look, Cato, Cato, man, he would never, ever do anything like that. Like, he was well against people coming back to grade cricket and wearing the wrong helmets. Uh, we had, 
I think like Matty Mites. I think, mate, we were all pretty good back then. I wasn't part of anything there, but from memory, nothing, nothing that, nothing stood out. That's for sure. It's funny you say that, Nathan, because 2006, 2007, uh, you're playing against North Sydney uh, at North Sydney Oval. Yep. One of us may have been involved in that game as well, which, which obviously you remember quite well. But <laughs> it's it's late it's late in the day, Saturday afternoon. You've knocked over Norths. Um, that it wasn't a great title from Norths as per usual. But uh, yep. And you're coming. You're you're out there batting number three. You're not night watchman, and uh, you get littered by by Matt Burton, another name you, I'm sure you remember. And um, <laughs> and the game the game pauses. You got this young chap under the lid as well, just close to you, making various noises. But um, yeah. the game pauses, and and someone runs out with a replacement lid for you. You've got a Randwick Petersham lid, and okay. they, and they. And they bring out then your New South Wales lid. Okay. And you rejected it openly. Did I? Yeah. Okay. You said no, take yeah. it back. And so we waited while they ran the lid off the field and they brought out another Randwick Petersham lid. So I just wanted to oh, commend you. I wanted to commend you oh. on that. You made a you made a yeah, you thought that was going somewhere else, didn't you? Yeah, but, yeah. I was like, <laughs> oh man, I just failed myself here. No. Get me the Aussie uh, lid. I just wanted to know what you know what the uh, no, you you made a big song like not a big song dance about it, but you made it very yep. clear that you wouldn't accept the New South Wales lid, which I thought was uh very commendable of you and shows that you are Thank a very you. normal person. But you know what what's what's your advice out there? I mean, you've got a lot of Queenslanders out there these days, Manus Labuschagne, etc. I mean it's really a bit of a scourge all around the world where people are wearing rep- Representative lids at lower levels, you know, as someone who didn't do that, you know, what what sort of advice do you have to them? I think it's it's just more about how you want to be perceived, I guess. Like you did have me very nervous there for a time. <laughs> I, I I must admit, I had done it once or twice when I first started, but I got slated in Queensland by the older boys, like just absolutely hammered. And I think from then on, I, I tried to make sure wherever possible I could wear the right lid, you know. Because it, it what does it cost 150 bucks to have the right lids, you know, and respect. Uh, Randwick Petitions, or their three words are trust, respect, and humility. You know, so you've got to try and live through that as much as you can. And I, it, I think it's not a great look, to be perfectly honest. When everybody does it, even when I've played against the big boys that do it, I just think, you know, well, come on, you can actually just it's a tiny little thing to show for the rest of the club because the, the rest of the club, the kids, they they want to wear that all the time. You know, so. I'm very glad that I actually did that. <laughs> Trust, respect, humility is interesting. I got, I got bowled by the opening bowler in one game against Ramick Petersham and he said, fucking drive that one. <laughs> so, <laughs> Was that Bert Cockley? No, no. He, he bowled me too, but he didn't have to say anything. <laughs> Mate, playing North is always hard work at North Sydney. Far out. It was like if you had to bat first on that wicket in the morning, it was bad. It was tough. I, yeah, that's what I always said. I, Oh mate, it was good. It was it was a lot of good fun back then. Yeah, everyone's everyone's different with lids, aren't they? Because you know Brad Hodge wore his IPL lid for, 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 for he's sandering him, him yeah, <laughs> on our straight turf. So everyone's different. Everyone's different. Hey, Harry, I wonder. Um, in the in the broad spectrum of your international career, do you have like a do you have a do you have a one pinnacle moment? And I'm not talking about like intangible things. I know in the past you've spoken about like what cricket gave you, for instance. Like I know you said once that um, you know you you were able to introduce your dad to Jacques Callas after a Sydney Thunder game and. Um, yep. And he was his idol and stuff like that. But I'm talking, like you've done so many amazing things in cricket, like you know debut de getting out Tendorka, um, yep. literally bowling you know Australia to victory against Pakistan, um, you know playing at Lords. Is is there is there a pinnacle moment in your international career? Uh, I'd have to say probably the, the greatest moment I had was probably the first five for at the MCG. Mm. Uh, look, following look, 
all the all of us spinners who followed Warney, it was it was such a tough time. And the hardest part was we just weren't as good at, as good as Warney, you know. So we we're always copying it. There were guys that did a good job and we moved on pretty quick. And look, I was doing an okay job uh, for Australia. I wasn't outstanding. I was doing my job. Sometimes I didn't, but as soon as I didn't, I copped it really uh, viciously from everybody. And that game, I took five from the second dig. Uh, I remember the selectors and everybody was just like, if he doesn't take five from this second dig, we're going to have to look at, you know, what his future is really. And I took that five-wicket haul and, and the the boys, the, the whole inner circle, the whole inner sanctum, they were always, you know, willing me to get better, I guess, and be that guy to just sort of eventually stop that death of the spinner. Uh, and they were amazing. And and when I took that, that that emotion that came out in that circle, taking the catch, admittedly, look, we were well ahead of the game and still took the wickets, but it was probably one of the better times that I'd bowled. I contributed really well in the game. And, and, and at that moment, that very moment, I'd actually felt like, I could potentially belong here for a long time in Test cricket. Mm. Yeah. I just want to ask, I mean, I'm sure you've spoken so much, Hori, about what it's like to follow Warren, and um, I'm kind of conscious of not making that the the key uh, story of your career because, as Higo says, yep. you've done so much in the game across all three formats and there's so much to be proud of. But I'm just noting from what Higo said earlier, you know, you 2004 you pick up, you know, Tendilkar and Lakshman in your yep. – in your debut game, and soon after, you, you know, and they win the series in, in India as well, and soon after, you find it difficult to make a fist of spin bowling in Australia, and I just wanted to know, and I know you're not a guy that makes excuses or anything like that, which is a credit yep. to you, but like, what, what sort of indictment is it on Australian wickets and the environment for an, Austra- for an Australian spinner, both in terms of expectations and conditions, that you can go from knocking over Tendilkar and Lakshman to yep. finding it hard in like state twos, you know, soon yeah, afterwards. Yeah. Like, what does, that, does that say something about Australian cricket? Look, uh, it's definitely changed since then. Uh, back then, we had a, a cat, like Marbo wasn't a, a massive uh, user of spin bowling and he didn't understand how to use spin bowling. And it didn't help that he had a young kid who wasn't a, a great spinner. Like I was an okay spinner. Uh, I still needed work for myself. You know, look, I, I needed to, to understand to get better. Uh, I was lucky enough to play on a, a rolled red mud wicket over there and uh, fortunate enough to take a couple of wickets. And uh, I remember uh, when Pup took six for nine after mm. I came off, uh, punter goes, Hori, I probably left you on too long. Oh, <laughs> you know, so, uh, so, you know, like it was funny that like at the yeah. time I'm like, yeah, you're probably right because he come on and took six for nine and three overs or whatever it was and yeah. just changed. But I think back then – Look, spinners were rarely used and the wickets we played on, they were you sort of an afterthought and I never really improved. And those, I think the, the next six games showed how inexperienced I was as a spin bowler and how much I still needed to improve, which is why I went to Sydney at the end of the day. And these days, the wickets are still really hard to bowl on, but I think the game's evolving outside of the longer version. So T20 cricket, like you're seeing so many different bowlers coming on as spinners. I think that... The real, like the people like Nathan Lyon, I think they're going to slowly start to fade away. Like the actual traditional off spinner, you know, bowls it in one area has, you know, that I think you're going to start to continue, continuously see guys trying to bowl carom balls, doosers, leg spinners, just consistently being indifferent to give himself more of an opportunity because the, the batters these days, the bats, the wickets, they're all a lot different than when we were. What's the, what's the gap? Because I'm just thinking like, you know, you being Australia, the Aussie 19th captain, 
gun yep. player in every team you play into to get into the Australian team. You, you're probably near enough the best player in every team. Then you get into the Australian team and you're like, this bloke isn't worn. And like, how like how hard is it to to like learn your craft again a little bit from like test zero to seventeen, where your expectation is to bowl Australia to victory if it's not if it's not at Cardiff, it's in Mumbai or yep. or the Gabba or or the MCG. Like, there must be such a steep learning curve. So like, what's the gap between like being a great you know, um, state player, even under 19s player, to being like, you know, a, a very good, serviceable international player? Huge. Mm. Because like in, in that in that under 19 setup, like you're you're one of the big fish in a still pretty big pond, but you are quite big. And then when you go, it's probably you probably get found out in grade cricket, to be honest. You know, when we were coming through grade cricket as 19-year-olds, you had a, a mix of 25 to 30-year-olds who are unbelievable grade cricketers. And they really found you out very, very quickly. And and the grade system now is completely different. Mm. You know, everywhere you go, well, the premier system is 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 completely different. Like our oldest player, I think, is twenty nine or thirty. Uh, the rest are probably average age of 23, 24. Mm. So, if your game can't handle back then grade cricket, then you're not going to you're going to struggle to handle first class cricket, let alone test cricket. Mm. And, and for me, like, I was doing steady with regard to grade cricket. I was being okay. Uh, uh, shield cricket, I was okay, but I was. I was still in that uh, realm of he's coming through. Let's give him – look, he's a finger spinner. He's probably the best that we've got. You know, he's not unbelievable, but we're, we're happy to work with him. But as soon as he doesn't work, then there was no support. There was no network. There was no nothing. It's sort of like, see you later, buddy. Good job. You know, we'll, we'll try somebody else. Uh, that was the hardest thing. There was no like, – no, Cricket Australia, Queensland Cricket, weren't, they're not a spin bowling culture, which is – that's what it is. They've won so many uh, titles with regard to bowling fast and at the Gabba and they needed a spinner. It was Andrew Simons bowling 15 overs a second deep. That's what it is. And that was probably the biggest biggest difference. Whereas now there's a lot of support around wickets are changing a little bit more. And I guess COVID as well, staying in a certain area for six, seven weeks, you're going to continuously play on those drying wickets. Whereas I remember playing games where the Gabba was over in a day and three quarters. The wicket was so green and there's no chance I'm getting the ball because you've got Bickle, Kasowitz, Nofke, Dawes, then Simons. I oh, will throw it to Horry when they're eight down and just let the tail try and slog. I'm not really learning anything. Mm. And then I go back to great. So it's, it's just, it was a vicious cycle back mm. then. And as a young kid, you know, look, when you think you're a big fish in a little pond sort of under 19s, you get cut down really quick. There was nothing there to really say, mate, look, um, I like mental-wise to speak to you and go, hey, mate, how are you going? Uh, this is where we see you. What, what do you think we can do? How are you going to – like so much. It was just mm. – that's just the way the world was back then. Mm. It's definitely changed a lot now. Mm. You keep saying, yeah, it's changed a lot now. I want to come to that in a second. You you, you put a um, – and, and sorry if we're labouring the point on this, but you you made a LinkedIn post about a couple of months ago. Um, yep. I obviously <clears throat> frequent LinkedIn, obviously premium member, but um, – <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. And um, he might be now. They might give you a sponsorship after that. <laughs> We're going from Greg Chapel, actually. But um, there's you, there's this. You, you write about this um, comment that J- Jeff Thompson made uh, while yep. you were playing in the Ashes, and the quote from Thompson yep. at the time, I think it was 2010. Uh, it was uh, yeah, it was around then. They, they better not be taking that refugee from Queensland that plays in Sydney. Nathan Horrocks should be called Nathan Horror. Does he spin yep. the ball? Um, 
And you write this excellent post about cricket, your life, what the game meant to you, the things you're proud of, taking your dad through Lords and how that was more memorable for you than a lot of individual accolades because, you know, you're, again, very normal, other-person-focused um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Other focused person, and uh, and you know you also exonerate Thompson as well, and you say, well, he need to be controversial, so you're caring about him as well, and putting yourself in his shoes. But I think more broadly, like a lot of grade cricketers or people around Australian cricket can identify with that culture we seem to have here of being able to just absolutely dismiss the abilities of a player, no matter how yeah. good they are. You know, if you're a really top player, you can just dismiss anybody with one comment. He's not good enough. Like the other day. You know, Mark War openly said of Dom Sibley, you know, he's not a test player. And quite frankly, yep. I don't know how Dom Sibley got to test level. You know, like Sibley, yep. Sibley's played 20 tests, has 200s, 550s. Amazing achievement for anybody, regardless. Doesn't matter how Doing you, well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you captain Aussie 19s, you debuted young, you had some success, um, but it was a tough time for Aussie cricket. Like, I suppose my question is, like, why are we like this in Australia? <laughs> and And... and if it's just if you say that we're different now, I'm not sure we, we really are. You're probably being kind. Oh no, like, cr- crowds and that are no different. Yeah, crowds right. and are probably <laughs> Why no are we different. like that here? Oh, look, I think well, passion is one. You know, so like you, you saw uh, probably the England. You know, when they lost the uh, the Euro, mm. uh, they were rioting. Mm. You know, so it's look back. Uh, I, I don't think. I don't think they would be as harsh as probably what they were back then, to be, to be really honest, you know. But when they have an expectation of what they want from you and how good they want you to be, if they don't see the ball spinning or swinging or someone doing something or bowling 150Ks, it's like, well, he's not good enough. He's not going to make it. Uh, you know, a lot of people probably don't even remember when Marnus averaged high 20s in first-class cricket. Comes out to test cricket and now averages 60, one of the best in the world. Yeah. But he would have been slated in, in Shield cricket if there was a bit of a crowd there going, well, how is this guy even part of Shield cricket? You know, so my my answer to that is I don't know if we'll ever be different. I think the the main thing is that we're so passionate. I spoke to Stephen O'Keefe about it as well, ages and ages and ages ago, and he said whenever he goes to watch a game, he is he pays the money to abuse people. Like he he and he's one of these guys. Like he has a very thick skin. When I played, I didn't. I really struggled. I really struggled. I don't know what it is. I don't I honestly can't pinpoint it. I just sit there and watch the game. Look, if I'm watching TV, I just go, oh, man, that's a shit pass or something like that. But I don't think I'd ever go to a game and, and physically abuse people or write in, an, in a column if I was someone like Tomo or, you know, go to a speaking engagement and actively berate someone because at the end of the day, we're all trying to do our best. Yep, we'll not be good enough, so we'll get, we'll get dropped. We'll accordingly get dropped. But there is probably a little bit where I was probably too sensitive there was probably a little bit of give and take. Uh, I think so, sometimes the guys who played in the, you know, they did play, they forget sometimes how hard it was. Tomo was different. He bowled, ran in, bowled 160Ks an hour, knocked everybody's heads off, like whooped you dirt. Like that was awesome. You know, but someone like me, it was a real struggle. Every game was a struggle. Every game it fell at my last game. And I'd sort of, any sort of negative press I'd latch onto and it'd, grind me even more whereas you know like if you could find a way you're always blocking out that external noise that would mm. make things easier i even struggled in sydney great cricket at times dealing with like north sydney north sydney was one of my bogey teams they used to drive me insane uh, is it akins <laughs> yeah. oh mate the whole family on the hill everything like it would just berate me so badly and we used to lose to north sydney so many times like we had such a strong team and it would just yeah. oh it haunts me now thinking about it. <laughs> Actually, really good blokes when you get to know 
Yeah. They are. They are. There's obviously so, another guy who bowled, uh, who bowled wheels who, who had similar, um, I guess, criticism in his career. He was a good friend of you on this good friend of yours in the Australian team, Mitchell Johnson. Yeah. I think you would have come across for the first time in the Aussie 19s. Had you had you come across him before and uh, and how fucked was he to face in the Nets? <laughs> I don't know because I never faced him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. always, Smart. I always just said, I'm okay for throwdowns, thanks, Mitch. I don't need to face you. Um, he, I came across him uh, straight 19s when we went to England. Mm. So Michael Clark was part of that side. Mitch got picked by Dennis Lilly just out of the blue from bowling in the Nets in Townsville. All of us had to go through the system and pathways and get, you know, survivor. Mitch, he came in. I think he had like a, a mega death T-shirt on and hearing it's, it's on. in his book. <laughs> so good. Man, yeah. it, was, it was so random. No, so, he doesn't but, have, didn't have cricket shoes. <laughs> mate, he, he, was, he was the most random bloke he'd ever met. And then like, he bowled this belt. He didn't have much to do in that tour because we were both really young, him and I. Mm. But because we had a few quicks out in front of him, he played the last test. He bowled this spell. It was one of his first games. He took four for. 10 or something ridiculous and he hit a guy on the throat another guy in the helmet and everyone's just like wow this kid's amazing and then he, he had that rise and then hurt his back and mm. came back and yeah look he's him and i still talk a fair bit and you know look he, he's had his own struggles and i remember the ashes when we were like we were we we're a pretty young side trying to win the ashes over there and and that testing cardiff really just destroyed us mm. uh you know look him coming on to play at lords when they just England just took the game away for us in that first session. I dropped Straussy early, but like that tour, like the crowd, the, the England crowds are not as vicious if that makes sense. They're, they're quite clever in their taunts and stuff like that, but it just wore him down. And we've spoken about different things at different times, and it is that mental strength that you can sometimes have. But if there's other stuff externally in your life, you had other stuff going on. It, it, it doesn't take much to mm. to be beaten. Mm. That's um that's 2009 Ashes when. Uh, it was Monty and Jimmy, our close personal friends, Monty mm. and Jimmy. They 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 batted out for ages at the end, and then there was like there was there was guys running on with gloves every four balls. Oh my like, god! Was 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 um was Ponting about to kill someone that day? Oh, the set, the last one. So at the stage, when we, it was about an hour left, and I, I pretty much bowled from that one end all day. Mm. And they played a missed or whatever, things didn't go right. They kept running out, and this bloke he kept running out. He was just <laughs> like he was just so annoying. And then the punt, he walked on. I think there was like maybe two overs left, and the game was. I think we were pretty much cooked at that stage. And punter, I didn't hear it, but punter was like literally face to face. You know, the crowd was around and they were talking, and he was literally berating, abusing him. And then the umpires had to sort of step in, and I don't reckon I've ever seen or heard anyone be so angry when we got off the field. Like after game, shook hands or whatever, mm. Steve Bernard, our manager, coming and goes, uh, Ricky, just to let you know, mate, uh, you've got men in the match. Uh, and he's like walking in, he's fuming. I'm in, like I'm actually sitting in the toilet. I've closed the door. I'm in, literally, I was honestly in tears. Like this is how bad I oh, felt. Man. Like Because I was just new. Like for me, I knew what was coming. Mm. You know, like Horace doesn't take the wicket. So I was like, for fuck's sake, this was like, this was it. We had it won. We played so well. Mm. And then Punna, I was in the toilet. I was trying to gather myself. I was just sitting there. And then I heard him, like, just at the top of his voice, he goes, I don't fucking care about fucking man of the match. We've just lost to this stupid person. And he just kept going on and on and on. Yeah. And for me, it was it was one of those pivotal moments where I'm like, I, you, like, you just don't know what's going on. Mm. Like, we just lost a test, got man of the match. We've got to travel. We've got to... It was just that last half an hour to an hour was like a blur. It was yeah. honestly like a blur. And, yeah, it was it was very crazy. Uh, 
Mate, uh, uh, let's let's flip it around to what must be a good moment. Like, uh, <laughs> well, I mean, you've like you, you've you've gone into the two thousand and four side that has won the series in India, mm. uh, and uh, yep. you've come into that side as well. And um, it's something that you know we talk about this being the greatest side ever, and they finally achieved something. Well, you guys achieved yep. something that hadn't been achieved before, uh, and that was your debut series. I mean, I just want to know what you saw with your own eyes in the change rooms um, once that team had scaled Everest and the series was won. I mean, in terms of you know circuit oh, and Christ, um, people yeah. carrying on, and oh, what are you looking at? Nudity? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> look, it's pretty. Look, uh, to be fair, it was it was a pretty good tour. Uh, the boys. They trained really hard. Oh, I do remember that. That is one thing I do remember, how hard we trained going into that series uh, because he, Ricky didn't play the first mm. three tests because he, he was injured. Warney obviously didn't play last one and I played that one. Uh, my most pivotal memory of that test series, uh, we definitely, after the, I think after the third test, I think it was Chennai when um, Saywag, they needed 220 to win on the last day. Dizzy and Marto batted really well. Mm. And Saywe come out and blasted 25 in like two overs. They needed 220 to win. And then it rained all next day. I remember that being a pretty good night. We were pretty happy that he didn't, <laughs> he didn't get the bat. But there was the last in the – because the test only lasted like a day and a half. It was over so quick because yeah. it was just red mud. And, and the groundsmen, the boys were like – as I, you know, like I was like a young kid just soaking it all up and, you know, Punner, Gilly, everyone abusing the groundsman because he'd prepared such a poor wicket. We get to the, the fourth innings. So we're chasing, I think, 97 mm. or, or something ridiculous, 97. And the little Indian helpers start bringing in all the beer and all the champagne and, like, start sitting it down. This is what while Gilly and uh, Hados and JL are about to go out and bat. So they're like, so these guys are walking it in, walking it in. And then Gilly's, like, still taking off his keeping pads. And he's like, what the fuck's going on? The game's not over. Get this fucking shit out of here. And he, like, lost his shit. As you're about to prepare on the fourth innings wicket for these two guys to go out and try and win a test. And we obviously lost. I remember going out to bat about seven for 40 or 50. Mm-hmm. And it was that's – that's, that's my biggest memory of that series. Uh, you know, I don't think it was celebrated that hard that night, but it was, uh, it was an incredible series. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Nathan Horace, thank you so much, mate, for chatting with us. Can, <laughs> I, can, 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 I, can we just ask, and in fact, this is one more thing that I do want to ask. I, I do note now that you yourself have set up uh, uh, what I think you're calling first-class coaching as well. So, And, and I wonder yep. how much of what you're doing with your own coaching academy is informed by some of the experiences that you've just been walking us through as well. Can you tell us a little bit about how you're actually helping people come through, presumably being nice to them and helping them? <laughs> I'm very nice, let me tell you. No, look, I, um, it's called First Class Cricket Academy here in Brisbane and, and the whole aim and whole goal is to – my, my cricket journey was definitely one of many, many emotions. So I think what I offer uh, outside of just the technical coaching and, and, and that aspect is more about the mental side of the game and trying to prepare kids for the ups and downs that we're always going to face and being able to just be the best version of themselves even when they're not playing cricket. So to be, you know, to be helping, to, you know, mentoring, uh, you know, look, all of that aspect, I, I think I provide a nice insight of, of someone who had a really tough career but at the same time loved playing for Australia. So the goal is always, you know, get as high as you can, whatever you think that is. But I, I think I provide, with regard to the people that are around me, a nice way to uh, decentralise the feelings, if that makes sense, and just go, you know what, it's just a game. 
I'm here to help you. I know what you're going through at times. Uh, and I'm, you know, look, we, we have a little inner circle group. We talk once a week. We have so many other things as part of it. And it's, a, I've, I never thought I'd be in coaching after I finished. I was really bitter at the end of my career. I really struggled, but I love doing what I'm doing now. The, the group that I've got, the people that are around me and, and getting guys when they're retiring as well. So getting cricketers when they're retiring. So they're still, it's really tough when you retire. Mm. Um, so making sure that they're still involved in cricket a little bit. So they're doing coaching and helping them sort of lead into their next next aspect of life. So I feel I feel like those guys have a lot to offer, and females as well. It's not just not just guys, but feel like they have a lot to offer. So they stay in the game as long as they want to, and provide their sort of mentorship. So people like Brian Harris, Hartley, or like these guys, they're not they're retired, but mm. Steve McGoffin um, have so much to offer. But when you're sort of all over the place as a when you're retiring, it's hard to to push all that together. But, uh, yeah, that's me now. So I'm full-time. Enjoy that. It's a lot of fun. Mm. Nice one. Mm. Sounds so, and you are head coach at North as well. So could you just quickly appraise yep. us of whether grade cricket or premier cricket has changed from when you were coming through? And I mean on the field and off. Mm. It's off the field. It's definitely more professional. Mm. Uh, young kids coming through. So it's changed a lot in that structure. Uh, for me, on the field, it's a tough one. So I didn't. I played second grade last year. I didn't play first grade. But from what I saw, I felt that first grade's nowhere near as strong as what it used to be. Yeah, that's all uh, I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> that's all I wanted. <laughs> I did play. I did play one. Day, I did play the one day final. And Malenko hit me for about seven hundred. So uh, they told me that I'm that I'm not ready. But uh, look, I, I think I think there's a lot of young kids now. I think there's a lot of young kids coming through. And if they're not playing first grade, whereas back in the day they'd be happy to to make their move and and hang on, whereas these days they've got to play first grade at the age of 17, yeah. uh, and they expect that. Mm. So that's probably the one big difference that I've noticed so far. That's great. Well, um, congrats on what you're doing with the coaching as well. Sounds like there's a generation of coaches coming through who won't be telling people that they can't believe someone doesn't play test, someone plays <laughs> test cricket. Um, Nathan Norris, th- thanks so much for joining us, mate. Appreciate it uh, at short notice. Uh, we'll catch up with you soon. No worries. Thanks, boys. Much appreciated. Cheers. And Manscaped, here goes, and we've got some new copy. The Olympics, Euros, Major Championships, and concerts are all this summer. You know what isn't? A wild and hairy bush. Tame your pubes with help from our friends at Manscaped, the leaders in below-the-waist grooming. Their third-generation performance package includes the flagship Lawnmower 3.0. If an athlete treats their body like royalty, why not treat your pubes like Olympic gold? Fellas, do the right thing by your balls and join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code TGC. Uh, we got some new copy for Manscaped. Here he goes. Yeah. And I, I got some feedback from our, I guess our liaison. Yeah. Saying, mate, we're moving, we're moving product. They're shipping units. We're shipping units through TGC. Oh, you're trimming he, units he's like, as well. It's like really good month. Really? You know we've been putting a bit more into these reads. So I'm glad to see that the uh, commerce of this, the capitalism, is working. Hey, when, when I'm just thinking about uh, before to my Ian Thorpe and the and the bodysuit and just this, the idea of that was just to fucking be like a seal, basically, just slip yeah, right. slipstream. Yeah, dolphin. Thorpe, <sighs> oh, fuck, he looked good, didn't he? Big old, he, he big old flippers. He'd, he'd scape. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was I was just thinking He'd have been um, scaping at the time I was fourteen during the Sydney Olympics. Yeah. Sydney Olympics. Oh, you're a good swimmer as I well. I just I just stopped before then. But like I knew that 
Thorpe was Thorpe was known before the mm. Olympics. I think you would, he, would, he was you, fifteen or sixteen. You years. would have been coming through the ranks and known about this guy a couple of years. He was a couple years older, older than, than you. A couple years older, yeah, than yeah, yeah. Um, and he was just he was already a freak, like obviously because he was fucking winning about eight gold medals in about a year after I stopped swimming. But yeah. like, um, but just I remember that time just in the Sydney Olympics because the because the Olympics. Um, the what pool, the, the, the pool. aquatic center. Yeah, the aquatic center. Thank you. At Homebush there, um, had just been built, and yeah. so it was like brand new. Ninety five. Got to train out there and stuff. It was fucking yeah, awesome. It was such an exciting time. Yes. So we just talked before about that, you know, Hall Gary Hall Junior versus um, Thorpe Thorpe in that in that race. And who was who was calling? Was it? Oh, was it was some, Sandy Roberts. Sandy Roberts. Fuck, it was a great. Oh, that's a Thorpe. great. Great. He's call. like vibrato. Thorpe and Paul. Great call. <laughs> for me, like, that's better than that. Was better than um, Kathy Freeman's. Kathy oh, Freeman's call for McAvaney. Yeah. The yeah. call, the call yeah. itself, that was it was better, but that's probably because I was more into swimming. Anyway, the point was that I stopped swimming. I think when I was about thirteen, so mm. no real need for some scaping then. Uh, not also a didn't real exist. need, but the, you, you could go if you go full body scaping these days if you wanted to. Legs, yeah. ankles, yeah, nose, eyebrows, ears, lower back, like Michael Klim, upper back. Now Michael Klim, he was a swimmer as well. He was a good swimmer. What an idol for me as a bald man as well. Mm. Since he just the leanness of it. Butterfly was my butterfly was my stroke, and so he was a wonderful butterfly. He's also a big Susie O'Neill guy. Yeah, Adam yeah. Butterfly. Yeah, thought so. Patria Thomas, huge oh, shoulders. Patria Thomas, mate. She had she, mm. she had a back for days. Mm. I remember going down to the um, the AIS and she was training the gym there once, just just doing like um, weighted chins, and I was like, holy shit. Yeah. It was the most. It was one of the most impressive alpha things I've ever seen. Australian sport at the time didn't get more. See alpha. you later. See you later. Over over the way at the SCG, you'd have Richard Chiqui in, in the New South Wales Speed Blitz Blues training. <laughs> now they wouldn't have been scaping back then. You know what no. I think about a lot. What do you more, think about more than more than I wish to admit, but I will. Yeah, Ian Thorpe, like racing for his house at swimming carnivals. <laughs> Mate, what imagine colour? being what colour? red. I don't blue? know. Imagine being in his house. Yeah, go on, Thorpey. Yeah, you know, <sighs> so it's sort of obscure, like white person name from settlement, Hazlitt. <laughs> <laughs> he just what? Yeah, I remember. Um, I do know a guy who went to his school, Panania. I think he was he was from around that area, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I was like, oh, I bet he dominated the swimming carnivals. I mean, it's like, yeah, he did. He dominated the it. Olympics. Yeah. The Olympic Games. It stands to reason, mate. <laughs> <laughs> so Thorpe would have manscaped. I mean, I don't know that do you know, specifically. Do you, what At what stage did the term metrosexual come in? I reckon a little bit after that. Maybe a couple of years after uh, that. Yeah, not, wouldn't, and that well, was, wouldn't have been too, too not, long Not too long after. after. Not too long after not that. Not too long. Because then that just... Be, sex in the city stuff. Yeah, I guess so. That was, was that was sort of like tips in the hair, wasn't yeah. it? A little bit like that. Frosted tips, Dawson Leary. Hmm. Who would have also manscaped? Not to be confused with Dawson's Creek. That's James Vanderbeek. No, that's the same thing. It wasn't his name Dawson Leary? Yeah. Yeah. So you actually, <laughs> there's no confusion. No it's confusion the same there. person. When did One Tree Hill kick off? Yeah. You're thinking of Dennis Leary. What who sung to, I'm an asshole. What, yeah, I did. I actually. What happened to jo- um, Joshua? Jason? Taylor Thomas? Anthony Joshua. Jonathan Taylor Jonathan, Thomas. Jonathan, yeah. yeah. Jonathan Taylor Thomas, JTT. Uh, he did some vo- voice work. Did some voice stuff? Yeah, after Home Improvement. Yeah, okay. Um, he was Simba, Lion King, which was about the same time. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah. I don't yeah. know where he's up to now. What's he your favourite song he would the Lion also, King? He would also manscape. Oh. Circle of Life? So prob- probably Circle yeah, of Life. Probably I can't go past Circle of Life, mm. to be honest. The the um, the crescendo is mm. just 
it's too much. I can't ignore it. It's just, <laughs> it's a simple. It, 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 you I simply it's, cannot ignore it's it. It's a cliche thing. Yeah. Yeah. And um, if you want to circle your life. Or your pubes. Using a razor. The Manscaped 3.0. The perfect package. Performance. <laughs> Just go to manscaped.com. Just fucking go to manscaped. If you want to shave excess hair around your pubes and otherwise, you want to get rid. You can do it in the shower. It doesn't take it. Oh, it doesn't hurt. It's it doesn't cost heaps. You get twenty percent off. Mm -hmm. Manscaped.com. Use the code TGC at checkout. That's it. Simple. There is Thorpe swimming carnivals. (sighs) Hashtag ask TGC. Pezzy lad. Here we are. Here we go. Here we are. We've done it. We've made it this far. Hugh Henderson writes in, Pez, from the email subject, nuts. <laughs> Fuck it. Should have included this in Manscaped. Uh, it all ties in. I was listening to some of your older podcasts, says Hugh, that I had missed over the summer and couldn't help but write to you after hearing the letter from M. Boucher, who threw a chestnut when he was young in a tree and it bounced back and hit a teammate's mother in the eye. Do you recall that, RCDC? Yeah. yeah. One of you mentioned that the pain must have been like getting softly hit in the balls by a tennis ball. Yes. I was immediately stopped in my tracks as I recalled this exact feeling from some 30 years ago. I was at university in New Zealand and my fourth year was flatting with five other like-minded guys. We had what remains to this day the best setup for backyard cricket that I've ever seen. On one side of the driveway were six double-story apartment-style flats and on the back and on the other side, a 2.4-metre fence, meaning that the ball was very rarely lost. The driveway was a rough tar seal that over the course of the year becomes smooth with a huge amount of use as a cricket wicket. We had the rule in place. We had a rule that the only place that the ball could hit the fence or a building on the full was behind square and this encouraged or rewarded and rewarded the hook and pull shots. Aside from this, the straight hit onto the road was a favourite, particularly if it hit a moving car where an eight was scored. I was the only one playing grey cricket in the flat and as a bowling all-rounder was without doubt the alpha of the fierce backyard contest that went on every day. He spells that A-L-F-A. Not very alpha indeed, Pez. Is that how you spell alpha or mayo? I think it is. I know, there's a cafe in Yarraville called alpha A-L-F-A. Mm-hmm. Concerning. One afternoon, <laughs> continues here, I had been batting for a good half hour and was well on my way to a big daddy hundred. The most unco flatmate came on to bowl... Uh, what we referred to as his nude spinning fluff. He dropped one in short, and I recall thinking, I'm having a big piece of that, and ripped into a ferocious pull shot. Now, as was the trend back then, I was wearing shorts that were cut-off cotton track pants and silk boxer shorts. This meant that my junk was hanging very freely with little to no shrinkage on what was a warm summer's day. As I launched into <laughs> yes, <laughs> as I launched into my ripping pull shot, the ball must have hit the side with tape on it, as it kept slightly low. As a result, I got a thick bottom edge rather than fatting it into the square fence. The ball bounced directly down and then back up again, catching both nuts flush on the way up. Ah! It wasn't travelling particularly quickly, and I recall thinking, that didn't hurt. That was as far as I got, as the receptors in my brain translated the sickening and paralyzing pain that began to intensify in increments like the Richter scale. As I let out a high-pitched shriek, my legs turned to jelly and I crumpled to the ground. The pain was severe, and I recall trying to speak but was unable to, as taking a breath was impossible. After what seemed like an eternity, I was able to finally breathe and exhaled a long, slow groan as I lay motionless on the ground. The sharp ache did not ease, and each breath only exacerbated the pain as it felt like my balls had been crushed in a vice. 
Fuck, I'm in pain reading this, man. Yeah. I finally managed to open my eyes and recall vividly the great sympathy and concern of all my flatmates in witnessing their mighty alpha flawed. Oh, cool, you jets. Three of them were rolling around on the ground in varying states of hysterics, and the bowler had both hands on his knees, double over with tears streaming down his face. <laughs> there was no interest shown in my well-being, and the only chat that, emana- uh, that emanated was around whose turn it was to bat and that I was actually retired out as there was no such thing as retired hurt in backyard cricket or BYC. I wanted to vomit with pain, but just knew that this would only make it worse. I managed to crawl to the square leg corner where I curled up in a ball for around 15 minutes, unable to even get to my knees. At this exact point, the new batsman launched into a hook shot and drilled the ball flush into the small of my back. (laughs) (laughs) As I lay cowering in the corner like some cuckolded sub, all that I could think was that these cunts would pay for this. As I staggered inside, all that I could manage for the next two hours was to lie on the couch with with a bag of frozen peas on my balls to ease the pain. I had great satisfaction in serving up those same peas for dinner to my flatmates that night. The, sto- uh, the story has a further part to it as a day or so later I was back and ready for action. This time though there was not going to be a repeat. Uh, there was not going to be a repeat and I took the precaution of changing into my cricket jocks and sliding my box in before commencing play. Smart boy I thought. And so it proved as I proceeded to make the cunts pay for a good hour slammed their bowling onto the road with real authority. To their credit they took their, their medicine and continued to bowl and field as I took revenge. By sheer chance I happened to look at my watch and realised that time had flown and I had a compulsory tutorial commencing in four minutes time. Having already received a letter from the university informing me that I needed to pass everything that year of I would be looking at exclusion. I jumped on my bike and sped the two kilometres to the tutorial, making it in time to not be marked absent. Mm -hmm. Now, the only reason that I'd taken this particular subject was so that I could get into the same class as the goddess, inverted commas, who was the hottest girl of my year group. By sheer chance, we had ended up working on a group assignment and were receiving our grades back that day. We got to know each other quite well over the course and I had been plying her with my A gray with my A game for some time. Mm. <laughs> it was ply with my A game. Yeah, yeah, for some time. It's obviously worked mm. going down a treat. <laughs> hey, this A game's going down a treat. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it was with great excitement that as uh, sorry, it was with great excitement then that as we exited the tutorial she asked me if i would like to walk her home and have a look back through how we had gone on our assignment about fucking time was all that i could think and in no time was in her bedroom sitting with her at her desk very proud of the fact that my a game was on fire one thing led to another and next we ended up kissing fondling and getting ready to get amongst it It was at this precise moment, as the blood disappeared from one head to the other, that I realised that I was in deep trouble. As my semi turned into a fully-fledged chub, I realised that in my haste to get to the tutorial, I had not taken my box out. (laughs) Worse still... Chastity. (laughs) Worse still was that I was wearing my cricket jocks. An off-white, heavily sweat-stained pair of old dacks that I had just also just batted in for over an hour. (laughs) As the goddess dropped to her knees and pulled my my shorts to the floor, there was an there was an ensuing gag reflex that was not the result of any deep throat action. 
The sight and stench of, of my wife fronts clearly weren't what she was expecting. And as she reached out to touch my cock, she recoiled in horror, having been met with my plastic grey nickels test cup instead of my dick. She tried not to vomit, and I attempted to explain how this had come to be. But as she fled the, to the bathroom with her hand over her mouth, I knew that there was no recovering from this one. I pulled my shorts back up and made a hasty escape, hightailing it back to the university to collect my bike with my semi banging on the inside of my box. The goddess never spoke to me again, and I continued to wear my box in backyard cricket action just in case one did a bit. Questions. Why the fuck does a soft blow by a tennis ball to the nuts hurt worse than childbirth? Is it weird that I have dreamt about this the last two nights since I listened to your podcast? Is it weirder yet that I haven't dreamt about the goddess bit and just ripping the pull shot? Did you think that I might have dodged a bullet with the goddess as if she was meant to be the one? She would have, upon seeing the sweaty jo- uh, jocks and box, looked loving up at looked looked loving up at me and said, "Get a few, did you?" If only I had today's accessories such as a manscaping equipment and budgie smugglers, my life may have been quite different, although I still break in a cold sweat at the, t- at the thought of the pain of that tennis ball to the nuts. Love your work, gentlemen. Cheers. Hendo. Oh, Hendo. Quite a journey took us yeah. on there. That was 1,500 words, Hendo. Holy and shit. thank you. Well, I guess my first thought here goes is that I really, like, I was really happy for him to be going back to the um, woman's room. Yeah. And everything looking quite good for him. What I don't understand is, like, like that's quite a good scenario for him, really. Bit of cricket, bit of chew, get your yeah, I want to get. I want to come back later to, like, his... um overreaction to his mates laughing at him getting hit in the balls. I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to, f- mm. I'm going to serve them dinner from with peas mm. that I've had on my balls all day. All right. Fucking, mate, you, you got hit in the balls, mate. Yeah. It's funny. I'm going to bat know? for an hour. I'm going to bat for an hour and fucking destroy it. Okay, mate. Yeah. Relax. Cool thy jets. Yeah. But uh, it's a good scenario. It gets the uni. Like It's a bit of a – that's a nice fantasy, right? You know? Sure, uh, yeah, yeah, Group assignment, yeah. come back to mine. Walk me back, yeah. Walk, yeah, all good, mm. mate, all good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And but I'm so I'm get frustrated at him because it's like he's his things are developing. He would be aware that he's wearing a fucking box at yeah. that point. Yeah, mate. Just like I know this isn't right for the narrative or whatever. It's like, can you just st- can you just have stopped the situation? Oh, I've just got to go to the bathroom quickly yeah. and just sorted that out. Just sort it out. Just uh, take off the jocks. And I, I know it's not good to be sort of to, to be freeballing it at that point. Uh. But it's better than wearing a fucking box. Like, I'm just frustrated for him. I'm frustrated for the part of him that didn't get what he wanted, you know? It's almost the perfect afternoon in New Zealand. He's a young man at university, gets his marks back, walking back, had a hit with his mates, backyard cricket. what they always talk about in New Zealand. The perfect afternoon. We have the great Australian dream, owning your own home, (laughs) and the perfect afternoon in New Zealand. Exactly. He's playing backyard cricket, getting your marks back, going back. I just don't – like, he was aware that he had a box on. What did he think was going to happen? He could have forewarned it. He could have said something. Hey. Listen, just, just let me explain. But he just waits until the moment yeah. where she. Oh re- well, this has started now. Drop to her knees. I don't know about that. But who um, who uh, who's so comfortable wearing a box that you forget that you're wearing a box? Exactly. Have you uh, ever walked out to bat not wearing a box? Look, you've asked me that directly. Yeah. Do you and want to talk about it? No. Well, you've pushed me into it. I. I actually, in a school game, yeah, um, 
batted uh, without a box for quite a long time before I realised I'd not put one on. Quite a long time. I was in like year s- 10. six or seven rounds? <laughs> I batted for quite a long time, all right? Okay. And, um, oh, you scored a few runs. Yeah, record-breaking stuff. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> mate, you raised it. You raised it. All right, next question. Fuck off. I was on 130, not out. Got out. Yeah, it was. It was lunchtime. Yeah, it was. It was a partnership with another bloke as well. Yeah, and um, that man's name, RT Ponting. <laughs> that man's name, Steve Smith. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I realised he didn't have a box on. RM Williams. AB <laughs> <laughs> <A>. Patterson. <laughs> Was R.M. Williams. Oh, he's over the batting with R.M. Williams. MJ Bauer batting three. <laughs> oh, it's a long show. That was a long. That was, that was worth two questions. That. Yeah, I think we'll probably wrap up there because uh, Harry went on. Hurry, hurry, fucking banged on for a bit, didn't he? Yeah, didn't he? <laughs> thank you very much to Nathan Knights for giving us the time. Uh, thank you so much for listening to us each week right here on The Great Cricket. Thanks to Budgie Smuggler. Thanks to Manscaped. Thank you to everyone. See you guys out there on the internet next week.